Welcome to your favorite theater and a sparkling new season. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled, pleasure-packed evenings. Relax, come as you are, and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family. No parking problems, no babysitting problems. And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back. Hello and welcome to the Culture Fanatic's amazing, incredible, spectacular guide to superhero cinema. My name's Corey Fernando. Join me in the Culture Fanatic team over the next few hours as we delve into what would have been Edgar Wright's first entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Say it isn't so, because it's not. Um, and we'll get into that as well. Uh, joining me, as per usual, the man sitting across from me, is somebody that we refer to here at Culture Fanatic as Mr. Special Features. He's the owner of over 600 DVDs and counting. We've just got him on a Blu-ray, so... Uh, it's Mr. Jeff Forster. How are you? Yeah, good. Two Blu-rays now. Second, <laughs> second Blu-ray today. And how many Betamaxes? Oh, I've got a cupboard full of them. Just <laughs> yes. transfer them all to DVD. It should be good. Yeah, good. Excellent. Joining Jeff and myself is the most accomplished... <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. The most accomplished and academically sounded and minded uh, member of the Culture Fanatic team. We sometimes refer to her as Dr. Plot until we find her a better nickname. <laughs> that is Veronica Jenkinson. How are you? I'm how are you? Yeah, good. I'm still working on your bio. It's it, Look, it's it's been through... Getting there. It's getting there. It's probably about 70%, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. How are you? Are you well? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm well good. too. Good. <laughs> Great. That's what if you'd ask me. That's good. <laughs> Excellent. You guys are way too fucking polite. <laughs> yeah. It's just that it's very British. Yeah. Uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Not a very old film. No. Um, you know, until today. The, the last of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Films to actually be on home video. Yeah. Uh, until today. Until today. Thanks to JB Hi-Fi for breaking embargo at the time of release. Thank you. Thanks, JB. Mm. You've done it again. Got myself a steelbook. <laughs> yeah, same things. Yeah, they can hook us up with some cash for banking them and naming them so much. Cash for comment. That's it. Good. Um, the movie Ant-Man, Jeff, how, how, is, uh, how is the replay for you? Yeah, I, I've seen this a lot. Um, it's... Yeah, it's one of it's one of the favourite Marvel films in my house. Yeah, good. Um, so yeah, we at home have watched that a few times. Uh, <laughs> this this is this is some good facts. Yeah, yeah, good. Facts. No, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it. Like it, it's always entertaining. This film, I think it would be entertaining if it wasn't a superhero film. It'd still be good, like a, like an Ocean's Eleven good genre film. film. Yeah. yeah, good, good points, Veronica. What about you? How was the uh, the reviewing for for this this track? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like this one. It's similar to Guardians of the Galaxy in that it you know it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie except for the little name drops. Um, but I love Paul Rudd too. So <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. The Rudster, just mm. um, getting in there. Oh, Paul Rudd, just Paul Rudd and everything. Oh, I mean. He's very much Paul Rudd in, mm. in this film. Um, I mean, what do you think? What, how do you think Paul Rudd stacks up against a Tony Stark Iron Man? Uh, sorry, Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark. Uh, it's a different character, hey. 
Yeah, I think it's required. I've got some strong. I've got some opinions about why this film is the way it is. Oh, good. I think it has to be the way it is. It couldn't have been anything else. Yeah, uh, but I'm gonna let them out in little drips as we go. Good. That sounds I mean, promising. Drips to sound too sexual. <laughs> yeah, it does. That sounds fucking worse. It does. It sounds very seedy. Mm. Um, look, we've got loads to look into. Obviously, we're gonna be look talking about some behind the scenes stuff. Um, but I've also got my top five. Uh, Hank Pym alter egos yeah, good. for uh, for this film. Very uh, very loyal to the the comics lore. So obviously there's loads to go through because he's a very old comic book character. Yeah, good. Uh, look, Jeff, if you wouldn't mind taking us off um, and giving us a countdown, we'll get straight into it. Yeah, good. And look for those of you who are listening to a, a commentary track of ours for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can listen to it while watching the film and tell you when to push play. Otherwise, uh, listen away while driving. Um, doing whatever else you do. Oh, we'll just we'll just point out um, for those playing at home as well, we are going to obviously spoil the film. That's right. So, if you haven't seen Ant-Man, go and watch it first. Or not. Or, or if not. You, you don't like that sort of thing, to... we'll try to keep you as in the loop as possible. That's <laughs> we'll attempt it. Anyway, so uh, three, two, one, and play. And we're off and running. You know, it'd be great if there was the Paramount movie logo. Yes, because you fucking love it on your TV. It looks great on my TV, but um, unfortunately, not the case. In fact, no logo. We're straight into the... That's oh, it. It's, oh, it's the year 1989. Great 1989, year. building of the Triskelion. Oh, oh, good pull. Good yes. pull. I was a little unsure on what that building was. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one they end up using in Winter Soldier? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Connectivity. Shared universe. Uh, so we've got <laughs> the return of... Um, of Howard Stark, being played by by John Slattery. Yes, excellent actor. Yeah. Good old Peggy. He's my favourite Howard Stark. Mm, better than uh, Dominic, 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 Dominic Green. Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, Dominic Green. No. Dominic he's Green's a bad guy from the James Bond film. <laughs> he's from the Quantum of Solace, I think. That was interesting casting. I, I love the special effects used it. it looks so realistic oh yeah so they've, they've employed the use of de-aging special effects onto yeah. Michael Douglas's face and he looks like the Michael Douglas of Romance in the Stone Era but it yeah. looks good it doesn't look stupid and it, Peggy looks old yeah I don't think they've been somewhere. they haven't been as successful in her ageing as they have been <laughs> no. the de-aging of Michael Douglas and less noticeably as well they've also used de-aging on Martin Donovan um Playing Carson in this scene. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. I was like, who the fuck is Martin? <laughs> no, he's the other dude. <laughs> yeah, the other guy. He's from yes. he's from Weeds, I think. He doesn't age as much, no. I guess, between here and, and the, the present day. So, yeah. but uh, Michael Douglas is, is pretty noticeable in his um, and even when he watched, it, he was like, let's do it, let's do a prequel. <laughs> Not even joking, as you said that. He was like, can I just do my life like this and I'll just play it to my kids, like. <laughs> Catherine might love me again. Catherine Zeta-Jones is all into it. Yeah. Great. Loves the younger me. Good. Because I'm that much older than her. <laughs> pointing it out. Peggy just looks like she has a Snapchat filter. Yes. That makes your face old. That's actually what they used for the CGI in that scene, um, is a Snapchat, Snapchat filter. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, um, <laughs> they filmed the whole scene and then they held a mobile phone up. Yeah. And just... Put the aging. They used hoe filter on her, didn't they? <laughs> Definitely. <yeah. laughs> Actually, I think they just used hoe filter on an old lady and it turned into Peggy. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is what they've done for that okay. scene. I oh, know, Cap, why are you masturbating? Oh, no. 
Yeah, that was actually Maggie Smith playing uh, oh, oh, <laughs> playing Peggy Carter oh, with the O filter over the top. Now, Turns into Hallie Atwell. now we've missed it, obviously, but um, there's there's a bit of uh, Cuban sort of Latin music playing just over the Marvel title card there. Which we and the audience at home can't hear, just do rights <laughs> yeah, issues. Yeah, just do the rights issues. Mm. Cheeky rights. Yeah. Um, and like, we were just having a quick chat before recording about how, from the get-go, it, it's really just showing, okay, this is something completely different. Yeah, it's a lot different. And the music's used differently as it is in Guardians, where they use a lot of pop culture to sort of set his mm. roots in uh, on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas in this, it kind of sets the scene at this kind of street level, sets him up to be a criminal. Um, and it's really effective just opening it up in the, in the prison as well. Yeah. Because when I first watched this, I was like, this is kind of dip, not something we've seen before. I think like as well, Scott Lang's probably uh, the most blue collar person we ever see. Yeah. In the Marvel average. universe. Yeah. I mean, look, there's still parts where he's like pulling apart microchips and wiring stuff because he's got like, what, an, an electronic engineering degree or something? <laughs> yeah, but he got a scholarship uh, yeah. for coming from a low socioeconomic area. Yeah, okay. I made that up. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I believe why it. Did they say that? Yeah. <laughs> now, Michael Pena, for me, steals the show. He's so funny. In this film. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's got a, a kind of. Well, apparently he based this character off a friend of his. That's I, excellent. He actually My knows someone like this. That's all. Yeah, I'd love to meet that friend. Yes, eh? This is a great sequence here where Louise is just talking about his life after prison yeah. and how his girlfriend's left him, his mum's dead, yeah. his dad got deported, but he's really happy because he's got the van. Like, I think from the get-go it's sort of like, okay, this is going to be a light film. And we've had a yeah. bit of, you know... I mean, we've literally just looked at Avengers Age of Ultron, which is quite dark in comparison. And this yeah. is like sort of, it, it's almost sprung back to this is what Marvel films are about. It's light. It's fun. There's, you know, there's jokes in there. There's quips and stuff. And it's, it's and here we get the Golden Gate Bridge and it's like, you know what? All that other shit happens in New York. This is the other side of the country. Yeah. Things are a bit different. This is West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> so... To, just to bring that light, straight away we've got a bit of a contrast between him being in prison and then using Baskin and Robin. Uh, <laughs> Robins, Baskin and Robin. Baskin and Robin. Baskin yeah. and Robin. Um, we've got a uh, um, Michael Serra impersonator playing the kid ordering. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but they they, they use Baskin and Robins to give a better contrast between because they thought that the bright colours would be a really cool uh, contrast with um, with prison. That's cool. Um, and I think that really works because you sort of come out. He's in, it starts off with him in prison, all of a sudden he's working at Baskin Rollins. You think that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, this middle management guy is pretty funny as well in this scene. Yeah. His, his name tag says Jack. You so, mean Scott? Yeah. He's funny? probably using a fake name. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. the first time I ever noticed that. It's actually the name of one of the Paul Rudd's kids. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Apparently the other name tag is um, the one that, that takes over for him at the front counter um, is the name of his other kid. Oh, I can't remember her name, but it's a, it's a daughter. Yeah. That's nice. Bloody Paul Rudd influencing Marvel continuity. He did a bunch of rewrites on this film. Did he? Yeah, he was involved in the rewriting. They actually got a lot of the actors involved in the rewriting, and a lot of the side characters had smaller parts. Um, but through that rewrite process, they kind of got beefed out a little bit. Why? Yeah. It's an interesting way of doing it, that collaborative sort of method. Um Apparently, Hope um, Van Dyne had a lot less of a role. Hope Pym 
whatever her surname she takes. And she um, goes by both. Yeah, we'll hope anyway. Had a, had a smaller role and a few other characters had smaller roles, especially like um, Kurt and uh, Louise and uh, the Dave. Guy, Dave. 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 We got the two yeah. T.I.'s a, uh, look, who knew he could act? Um, watching this film, I haven't been convinced, yeah. but... <laughs> I don't think we've seen enough of T.I. tonight. Uh, I like, um, there's a bit of a, a bit of a setup here as we see the EDM uh, teen sort of crowd here that he's walking past. Ooh, that'll be a callback later. We'll, uh, we'll visit them later. Yeah, we'll see yeah, them. Spider-Man. We'll watch them. <laughs> what? No, he's not. The wrong city. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things of the country, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, me. Um, T.I., yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about T.I. He's show. playing a pretty one. He's playing a pretty one-dimensional. He's playing himself, isn't he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's supposed to be sort of streetwise yeah, dude. I really like, um, there's, a, there's a great actor called Dave Desmolchen. Yes. Who plays, uh, is it Kurt? Kurt. Yeah. But he's like a Russian, the Russian. East block character, <laughs> yeah. you know? And yes, he's just playing a stereotype character. He is, but I feel like he makes it sing, whereas Ti as Dave, kind of just he's just sort of like, yeah, he's average. Well, out of these three guys in particular, so Louis, Dave, and uh, and Kurt, mm. I feel that um, Dave is the just the third person. Yeah, the he's a straight man. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Louis is kind of the kid, and Kurt is the the emotionless East Block Russian <laughs> who takes everything yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah. Davis Moulton um, appeared in. Uh, another Dark Knight. Needed in Dark Knight. Another yes. comic book film from yeah. the DC. Sorry, yes. was that was that going to be a reveal? Nah, well, okay. not to sorry, you. mate. Sorry, you knew that. <laughs> the audience may not have. Yeah, you know the the um, interrogation scene between Harvey Dent and there's uh, one of the Joker's henchmen. Mm-hmm. That's Dave Desmolchen. Yeah. yeah, very small part. Not quite as big as this. He's building his way up. Next, he'll uh, he'll be playing a superhero himself. Yeah. Really? No. Okay. <laughs> He's going to play Kurt, the superhero. Um, we've seen now that the PIM Technologies building. PIM Tech is a real company in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So uh, that is something that's, that's faithful to the comics continuity. Um, so is Cross Technologies, which is um, a company that, that Darren Cross, the film's antagonist, uh, is a part of. It was a big theme um, of, of egotistic uh, business owners in, in the Marvel Universe just naming <laughs> yes. their businesses after themselves. It's such Starting a Marvel Industries, Pimtech. Oh, know. look, and in the um, most recent Spider-Man run, uh, Peter Parker has his own sort of Parker brand as well. Oh, yeah. Him and his brother. They start a, a, a board game. <laughs> <laughs> as in the Andrew Garfield one or the upcoming? No, no, the comic books. Oh. So, the, mm-hmm. yeah, we probably won't see that in a film because I think for the first three films, he's going to be in high school. <laughs> so, yeah. we'll have to wait high a little while. High school kids can start board game companies, though. No, they're kids like creating apps and all kinds of shit these days. Yeah, okay, fine. All right, children can do anything. Dream. Okay, fine. <laughs> We're seeing our first glimpse of, um, of Darren Cross. Played yes. by Corey Stoll. Don't really know too much about Corey. I'm a bit of a fan. Yeah, he's excellent. He's excellent in House of Cards. Um, and you know what? I know we give a bit of stick to Marvel villains. I think he actually does a pretty good job in this film. Mm, because he's just... There's no turning point for him. He's dead set a straight psychopath the whole time. Yeah, it just gets worse throughout the film, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. See, I well, think there are like, points where you kind of feel sorry for him. Just because it looks like he's losing his mind, mm. but 
Yeah, as far as like being a villain goes, he's crazy the whole time. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, he does lose his mind a bit more um, after being electrocuted and bitten by really painful ants. Mm. Bullet <laughs> ants, the high on the Schmidt pain scale, according to, to Hope later on in the film. Yeah, yeah right. Or bullet ant. Science fact. Oh, don't worry, I've got a lot of ants facts. <laughs> good. I've a lot of stuff about ants. Oh, good. I feel like I could be an ant breeder. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Would you name your colony? Uh, ants? Don't like that. You can't communicate with ants. As much as this film tries to convince you that you can, you can't communicate with ants. Really? They don't even communicate with each other. How do they know what's going on? No one knows. Ants. Mm, okay. Well... <laughs> Just as we're getting the um, the stock footage here of... <laughs> Sorry, that's just such a great fact. Just, just as we're getting the, the stock Sorry, footage yep. here of, of Hank Pym uh, as Ant-Man, it actually brings me to my number five oh, on uh, the top five Hank Pym alter egos. Obviously, number one is Ant-Man. Yeah. Uh, he originated in Ant-Man. Um, like what? Uh, he originated the role oh, of yeah. Ant-Man uh, in the comic book continuity. So yeah. um, what, what's a bit of a, a difference from from the, the comics is um, we don't sort of have the the generational side of it. So, like, Hank Pym's not older than everyone else. In fact, he's like a contemporary of Tony Stark and, and people like Reed Richards and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I guess the difference here is that they've... All the other characters they've brought into the present day, whereas Hank Pym have left him in the time period that uh, he was originally introduced to the comic books. Yeah. Whereas Tony Stark is, is present day, as opposed to, yeah. um, to around that same 50s era. Good point. Plus, I think it would be hard if you had a third scientist the same age as Banner and Stark. Mm-hmm. There'd just be too many brains going on in one situation. That's what I love about this is that They've avoided doing because he could be almost exactly the same as a, even a Howard Stark. But mm. the difference they've done is that he's lost this this character of Hank Pym has lost his company. Uh, he's no longer in charge of it. Um, he's just a scientist who now works from home. Like he just has technology as opposed to having funding, yeah. which is good because otherwise there'd be just too too much of the same. Too samey. Yeah. yeah, they've done a really good job of of making the the Hank Pym story sort of modern as well. Because like when we talked about it in one of the other podcasts, but like one of the defining elements of Hank Pym as a character is not only creating a Pym particle, but um, sort of creating Ultron. And yeah. and taking that away from him does sort of take away a big part of that character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically the story behind the original Ant-Man is uh, Hank Pym creates a Pym particle, finds that he, you know, he's got this helmet that can talk to ants, um, becomes a superhero. Because when it's the 60s, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you talking to ants? Yeah. yeah. No, you can't talk to ants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Cross Technologies, com- real company in the Marvel continuity, run by Darren Cross. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, coincidental. It's the same name as the, uh, the character Darren Cross, isn't it? It's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> or not. They're probably here just made the company, it's likely. Um, Yellow Jacket. We've been introduced to Yellow Jacket while mm. we've been talking about ants and, and crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a, is Yellow Jacket, uh, or am I getting ahead here? Look, it's number two. Oh, okay. So- <laughs> Let's not so probably wait now, and, and I'll wait. <laughs> and I'll tell you about it. Yeah, good for those of you listening at home. 
Ignore that bit. <laughs> Interested to know? No, it's all good. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about Yellow Jacket, though, because obviously it's a bit different than why it's displayed in this film. And what a really cool way to include... Because, I mean, look, Hank Pym, the reason why it's the top five for this week as well, um, and for those people that are familiar with the comics and stuff, it, it's, it's a pretty sort of, you know... Um, basic one, I guess, and compared to some of the weirder ones we get. But one of the things I wanted to highlight is this is a character who's got, like, at least four really well-known superhero identities, um, even though he's, you know, best known for Ant-Man and, and maybe Giant-Man to an extent. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, Thanks, Lego. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's one of those weird things because he's, he's kind of known for that. Yeah. Um, and it plays into his psyche and how he's, you know, sort of has a bit of split personality disorder and stuff towards the end. Yeah, now that's interesting because they were there was talk at one stage of having um, the Ant Man film based around Hank Pym, um, but they Disney decided against that and moved away from it because of some of the issues that Hank Pym as a character has. Oh yeah. Um, Split personality, the fact that he beats his wife. Yeah, um, and we talked about that in the last podcast. A bunch so. of other sort of, you know, unsavoury shit. Split personality the because he takes the human particle? Because, you know, in this one they say that Darren alters his brain chemistry to cross. It depends on who's writing it, which is, again, it's one of those, like, really poor comic book things where it's like, depending on who's writing it, he's going to do this or that. or like Because one of the writers... So that's like him and the Scarlet Witch are just, like, all kind of the shit. Pretty much, yeah. And, like, there's a lot of stuff, especially in, like, the 90s, um, where, unfortunately, you know, you do get some characters, like, you get Iron Man who gets replaced by his teenage self, and, you like, you know, there's, as you can imagine, there's a bunch of fucked continuity out there. Yeah. They were going, um, the, I think they do allude to the, the split personality in this in a way, or that the fact that it's a bin particle... Because Hank Pym at one stage says that um, he it takes a toll on him to wear yeah, the suit, yeah, which is yeah. why he can't do yeah, it anymore. So it's a cool reference to the fact that you know it did mess him up a little bit, the particle. Um, and I think that um, Darren is meant to be like a, like a parallel to him in that it's gone too far with him as well because he sees a lot of Darren in himself. Like, and you see him with his temper too. And a couple of goes, like, you just see the outbursts of being angry. They definitely allude to some of that, like, the more darker stuff of, of Hank Pym's character, which is a cool way to sort of use it, reference it, reference that it's part of something bigger from somewhere else mm. and then not have to go to that place. So, yeah. Yeah. We're just seeing, like, just back in the film, the young birthday party for Cassie Lang. Um you might not know this. Cassie Lang takes up the the mantle of Ant Man um, after her father. Hopefully not 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 anytime soon. <laughs> no. Six or five or whatever she is. But I mean, it does leave a thread there for them to do like a Young Avengers film down the track. Um, you know, chances mm-hmm. of them doing that kind of slim. Be but you know, there's definitely room for them to to do that later on. I love it. This is this is great. Darren's just watching that guy pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic cross. Cross. <laughs> Loves a good pee party. Oh. What? Why did that guy? Also, just want to point out, why did that guy go into a cubicle just to pee? Just to piss. Like, maybe, maybe Darren was watching him take a shit. <laughs> there was a urinal next to him. Yeah. This is you really get an idea of the, the sort of 
menacing, cutthroat nature. Because you think that he's a bit sort of evil to start with, but when you see him reducing this guy to strawberry jam... And then just picking on me like, well... Can I point out, he just straight up murdered a guy. Yeah. Now, later in the film, two undercover police officers are going to go after Hank Pym for breaking somebody out of prison. This guy just got murdered! Yeah. <laughs> and nobody ever follows it up! I oh, know. Like, no one like no one at home calls and says, when did Ralph go? Yeah. Like, Ralph, he's not here. I'm not even sure that's the guy's name. Uh, I mentioned strawberry jam. They actually used strawberry jam. Like, uh, actually, as the as, goo. As the goo. Right. Yeah, I don't know why it was moving. That's weird, but yeah. it's microwaved. Microwaved some strawberry jam. Yeah. Got it nice and hot. Cheese, jelly, you know, you shake your cheese pudding, and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> is that like jelly? Hey. Is that like jelly? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like cheese pudding. I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just want to, you know, Evangeline Lilly here playing Hope Van Dyne. Hope Van Dyne's largely. A made-up character. Um, Janet Van Dyne is the wasp in the comics. Yeah, she's the wife or partner of of Hank Pym, isn't she? Correct, yeah. And so, you know, obviously with the decision to make Hank a bit older, to to still have the wasp represented in the film, they didn't want to necessarily go older. Um, Spoilers for the next film, they've they've already cast the original wasp. Um, It's going to be Sharon Stone. Oh, interesting. See, I think that works. When I when I was watching this last night, I was thinking about it, and I actually can see Sharon Stone in Hope, like in Evangeline. Like I, I feel like there's a resemblance there. I um, have an interesting fact about Sharon Stone in this film. Um, well, not really Sharon Stone, but maybe someone trying to impersonate Sharon Stone. Oh yeah. I was watching Jim. I was watching a little segment between Jimmy Fallon and um, and Paul Rudd on on Jimmy Fallon's late night show. Yeah. Paul Rudd was telling a story where he um, he tried to pull a Sharon Stone on Michael Douglas because Michael Douglas was in Basic Instinct. Holy fuck. And he, like, even whipped his dick out and like, tried to hide it under his shirt and then do the whole leg-crossing scene where he flashed himself. But he was having trouble making sure his dick stayed out, so it looked like he was kind of, like, touching himself. And Michael <laughs> Douglas said, well, are you a fucking pervert? <laughs> like, halfway through the scene, like... Just stopped and said he was fucking pervert or something because it looked like he was trying to jack himself off. Oh, I love the fact that Paul that Rudd anyway. decided to try and, and basic instinct the shit out of Michael Douglas. I love that Michael Douglas like, wasn't having a bar of it though. He's like, what the fuck, you dickhead. Yeah, but then Paul Rudd apparently was like, oh, I was trying to Sharon Stone you. And Michael Douglas was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's cool. That's all right. Catherine does it all the time. Yeah. Uh, this is one of. The, the first of a couple of really great Louise moments in this film where he's, he's sort of recounting a story um, and we have like these these bit actors sort of speaking the lines that he's recounting as well, which is like, fuck, it makes the scene so it. good. Yeah, it makes it great, doesn't it? It's a great way to tell a bunch of backstory and fill in a whole bunch of um, sort of exposition quickly but entertaining, not just in yeah. a simple flashback or someone telling the story. And you can keep it really fast-paced because it's visual and you're hearing the story at the same time. So and you build up his character too because then he's the guy that tells the long-winded story. Yeah. Because he's the un- untrustworthy narrator sort of thing. Yeah. And this sequence as well, again, we, we don't have the music, but um, this is this reminded me of like a sort of like Crim Grease Lightning sort of sequence because yeah, we yeah. see the car getting worked on we see them sort of like clapping hands with a locksmith and getting the it's just really fun punchy 
montage sequence to just establish these guys know what they're doing. They know how to fucking plan a heist. They know how to plan a job. And it's interesting you say heist because it's the first time that you really get the sense of heist film. It feels mm. like one of those Ocean's Eleven preparation montages. Mm. And it does happen a couple of times in the film. And there's a, like there's obviously an actual heist that happens later where we get the same feeling. And this is the first kind of moment we get that sense. So it's a really cool theme at this point, I think, which is which is awesome. It is very Ocean's Eleven, isn't it? Like, especially when we see him actually break in in this bit and it gets all fast-paced and he does a little stupid fingerprint thing. You see some cool sort of working working it out as he goes, mm. kind of little um, Improvising. And, and you get to see that. Uh, and, and for me, it's sort of a bit of a break as well because we've had Scott Lang sort of be the everyman that we can relate to and then he starts doing, like, cool oh, science bro shit that, like, yeah. we probably couldn't do. But we could do... If we had some glue and a stove and some tape and, and you know, and that's kind of cool because it's like approachable science. I wonder how many kids tried <laughs> out the fingerprint thing at home Ooh. and then like set fire to their hands and had to go to the hospital. Or like melted the sticky tape before they actually set <laughs> yeah. the glue on. Like ruined dad's wedding ring. <laughs> oh, not covered with super glue. Was it, a, is that a ring that he... I, I thought was, it was a key ring or something. Yeah, it's like a key ring. It's, it's pretty deep ring. though. Like it's pretty... It was a cock ring. Yeah, no. It's just Hank's cock that's ring. He's got in the so, kitchen cabinet. That's why it's so, like, it has a girth to it, I think. Thick. Yeah. The way you said thick was just really despicable, Ben. Yeah. You really emphasised the TH. Yeah. Thick. Thick. <laughs> yeah, just getting an insight into V. <laughs> <laughs> That's an insight, dude. You guys can have your own spin-off podcast. Uh, Speaking of the fingerprint scene. <laughs> what? I was just trying to cut away from me. So those kids of you at home, just skip the last 15 seconds. Um, it's all right. We, we put the explicit okay, thing on see, every week. We're going to see the key. Who gave him the crocheted fucking purse? Maybe it's like, an, 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 what do you call them? A napkin ring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. no, oh, it is a caring. Yeah. What's um? We we do see like this is a really sort of thieving sequence. Is Scott Lang a thief in the comics? Um, yes. You said that with almost like there's a well, there's he. A but. It's a it's a similar sort of story. He's he's coerced into having to sort of thieve in order to, um, you know. It's one of those like ends justifying the means sort of stories where it's like his his daughter Cassie's actually quite sick and in order to get her the appropriate help that she needs, he needs to sort of bend the rules a little bit. So it's cool that they've changed the I guess the exact storyline, but they've mm. kept her as an integral sort of plot point mm. as yeah. well. Because yeah, yeah. it's all about him trying to get the money to be able to have visitation rights, which I think is really modern as well, like the whole idea of like visitation rights for the split family or a you know, broken family. Definitely. And if she's sick, it's just too sad. Like, yeah. It's, it's a funny, upbeat movie, and it's supposed to be too sad if she was dying. It's, it's a bit dark, isn't it, for yeah. a, a light-hearted film? Well, it's probably also a bit samey with The Sandman. From Spider-Man Three, I know that was a while ago. Yeah, but it's it is very samey. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so obviously the Sandman wanted to help his little daughter Penny, who was sick. Um, we've got to do a Spider-Man Three commentary track because mm. it is one of my favourite horrible films. <laughs> <laughs> that film sucks. That's and I love Seth it. Green turns into not not Seth Green, Toby <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Into the oh, God. Would have been better if it was Seth Green, mm. I reckon. Would have been more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 
wonder if this would work. So we see Scott Lang breaking into, uh, or through a sort of like a safe door or like mm. a, a vault door using water and liquid nitrogen. Um, I wonder if this is actually a thing. I tried to do some research and I couldn't find anything in particular about it. You just Google Mythbusters. Mythbusters <laughs> Marvel <laughs> edition. That'd be great. I'd watch that. Mattress hold a steel door when it's falling on the ground. No. I'm, I'm going to say no. Normal bodies. You never know. Like If that thing was from Aldi, it fucking would. <laughs> no, if it's, that one, if it's that one on daytime TV that you can drive a four-wheel, four-wheel bike over. Have you seen that one? What's a four-wheel bike? Like a quad bike? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Set, so just my I haven't seen that. Is there daytime TV? Mm. No, I've got a job. You watch it at your job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, right. no, no, no. <laughs> In case anyone from work's listening. Yeah. I like how um, so Scott's just in the suit for the first time here inside the vault, and he mistakes the Ant-Man costume for a motorcycle outfit. That's pretty much what it looks like. Mm. Um, Mm. To be honest, it's kind of lame. A lot of this film is lame, like in a nice no, way though. Like it's just kind of dorky. No, not the like the a lot of the the story or sorry the the content could be lame. So mm-hmm. I guess the source material can be lame. I think Ant Man, if I'm right in saying, and I think my dad sums this up perfectly. Mm. When I told him there was going to be an Ant Man film, he kind of sniggered and he was like. Why the fuck are they doing that? Because um, he's kind of laughed at a bit. He's kind of scorned because it is just cheesy and stupid. Yeah. Which is why I think they had to include humour. And a lot of it's sort of that irreverent or or self-deprecating humour mm-hmm. where that puts itself down a fair bit. Definitely. I think that was required. And that wouldn't make it serious. No chance. It would be stupid if it was serious. Can you imagine a DC Ant-Man film? Oh. <laughs> it would just be super serious. Because they've got a character called the Atom. Yeah. Who is pretty much Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, but imagine a Christopher Nolan Ant-Man. I'm Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if you had a cooler suit, you might get away with it. Or if you went all, like, croc style and it was, like, a dude that was an ant and spoke to everyone. <laughs> Let's not put you in charge of DC. <laughs> Interesting they said that you say that, though, because I think... Um, so, Edgar Wright, who was going to be the original director of mm. the film, um, who was been, had been attached for years. I think he was first attached back in... He was keen on doing an Ant-Man film back in, like, 03. Well, he's the reason they got the the pitch. Like, yeah. he's the reason they greenlit it. Yeah. And he was attached to this right up until just prior to filming. Um, and he wrote most of the script. And a lot of the script's pretty similar to what, what he originally wrote. There's been a lot of, sort of, boosting of characters and some tweaks here and there. That there was a script draft where Ant-Man started off as an ant uh, at one stage. And he becomes a man. Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned the... Does he have like little nipples for a man? No, that's Predator. <laughs> that's a different film. I like that you're doing the action for those at home <laughs> listening as well. Like, for those of you listening, it was... Don't worry, we're going to get you in jail one day. <laughs> <laughs> Only so that you can do stuff so like that. you can see my gestures. Yeah. <laughs> see, it's just so lame. But, I mean, the good thing is, and I think that... If you were to watch it with the sound off like we are for the first time, you would think it's a lame film, but yeah. a lot of that dialogue and that woody banter back and forth really makes it. Um, I think well, as well, the suit is meant to <laughs> the suit is meant to look like it's from the sixties. Yeah, well, that's true because he made it ages ago. Oh well, I guess in this continuity, he would have he would have been active in what maybe the seventies. There was something. There was like a lot 60s, of cold war. Yeah. It's old, so it yeah. isn't like. The, 
the yellow jacket where it's been made now. So it is old technology, mm, yeah. technically. So you don't expect it to look modern and shiny. Just um, on that shrinking effect, so we've seen him shrink down to Ant-Man size. That is straight out of the comic books. That looks like Jack Kirby-style art, who's the original artist of Ant-Man. It's where they show, like, a bunch of frames and, like, you just get... You sort mm-hmm. of see each frame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were influenced with the, with the um, special effect by stop motion. That oh, kind of like cool. step by step down, but really fast and yep. kind of overlapped. Um, and I think it looks well. cool. Yeah. yeah, they really wanted to set it apart from um, from shrinking that you might see in like Honey I Shrunk the Kids and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah right. Less light. There's no blue light. There's no like. Yeah. There's no weird sound effect as well. No, that's good. Yeah. It's not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those slide whistles. (laughs) (laughs) I love how grotty this bath is too. It actually made me want to clean my bathroom after watching this scene. It's one thing they've done really well is they're in all the special effect scenes. Um, And we see it especially later on, and I'll point it out again, um, when we get to Cassie's bedroom and he shrinks down in there. But including all these little dust, bits of dust and all the dust mites, it's what an insect would see. Because yeah. at that level and at that size, you would notice things like that all the time. We'd like seeing feathers floating around everywhere now. Hmm. Um, so it's much more noticeable. I like that he made the beat drop there. Yeah. Just being on the needle. It's funny that it sounded like a beat drop should have been there too. It's, <laughs> it's almost like it was a pre-made, yeah, coincidence. It's like a pre-made song. It's like someone wrote music for the film. <laughs> But it's not Hans Zimmer, because the music's not going... That's how all Hans Zimmer music goes. Yeah. yeah. Go watch The Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit off-meter product placement, you love that. A bit of Lego. Sort of Lego brick. There it is again. Don't know if that was official. It's foreshadowing the Lego movie. Cross-promotion. <laughs> Cross-promo. Yeah. Probably not a shared universe, though, because I'm pretty sure Lego movies Warner's. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got um, Marvel characters in it too, I think. Doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's got Star Wars as well, and Star Wars is Disney. Lego owns the rights to the Lego usage, so I think there's a loophole there to be able to include them. They'd they'd like it though, because it's just free advertising for them. That's that's one of the things I don't get about a lot of the um, sort of issues with product placement and stuff, is it's free free advertising. For sure. This guy in the car is actually, he's a great character actor. I forget his name, but he's in uh, many things. He's also in Two Broke Girls as well, but he's in, he he's in a lot of he's stuff. He's the old guy in the diner. He I is. knew I recognised him. Interesting fact, he was also the first person to play Ant-Man in live action on Saturday Night Live in the 70s. Little cameo performance from whatever his name is. So was he one of the players there? Like, so in, in Saturday Night Live, yeah. in an episode in the 70s, um, he dressed up as Ant-Man in a skit, uh, like a sketch on, on Saturday Night Live. That's fucking and sick. And it was the first time Ant-Man was ever in live action. I wonder Fuck if yeah, there's that was a cool. connection with the fact that he worked with Kat Dennings and she's in Thor. Probably not. No. Because I don't think we want Kat Dennings back for that third one. I don't mind. <laughs> Kat Dennings. I just want to hear her say, meow, meow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Just YouTube it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make your ringtone. Although Jane's not coming back, so... This is an Ant-Man. ant podcast. I hope that this scene face-to-face um, in sort of the interview room between um, 
and I'm going to use actors' names, Michael Douglas and, and Paul Rudd, was when Paul Rudd did oh, the, the basic instinct. The basic instinct. It would have been, because I don't think there's another scene where they sit yeah. across from one another. Oh, except uh, um, there's a few kitchen table, yeah, most dining table. standing, and so you'd know where his hands in his pants. Like, yeah, but yeah, see there? You'd see him. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, I just want to point out that his pocket square doesn't match his tie and it bothers me. See, I'm a big fan of not matching the tie. Oh. No, I'm not. Nah, colour schemes yeah, too. Colour schemes often, I don't like it. Oh, you mean the car? I thought you meant actual. Like, oh, no, 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 they don't have to be. No, that pattern doesn't have to be the same. No. No, the pocket square was darker. They're darker blue. I like that the reveal is that Hank Pym just set himself up. Yeah. Bloody good. He's been pulling some strings in the in the background from his basement. Which yeah. makes you wonder, did that fingerprint trick actually work or did he just let you think it worked because he came down and he was like, no, I'll let him in. That's true. I've never thought of that. Wouldn't that be sad? So I could have just taken it. any fingerprint. Yeah, and then I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll let him in. Yeah. It is interesting that the super glue sets like rubber as opposed to setting hard. Hard? Yeah, I thought it would have been rock hard. I want to try it. Breaking through all these Hollywood lights. Oh, here we are in Cassie's room. Cassie Lang, of course. She's got big eyes. Kid. And missing. She's feet. a great actress. I I found her comic timing like really good in this mm, film. I thought she was good. I never like kid actors. I think when like I like, usually think they're shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Or like when she likes the the weird. That's such a Paul Rudd thing that like his gift to his kid is like mm. this fucked up rabbit. Yeah, like, yeah, it's such a poor run. And even at the end of the dinner table, I thought that was quite, um, yeah, quite clever. Like, like feeding, so feeding the blown up ants as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was a bit too much for me. The the the, the, the yeah yeah like oh it's a dog oh, it's an ant. I was going to say until then, but I mean if an ant grew to that size, what would it eat? Um, well, no, it'd be pretty cruel to the ant because. Ants live one-tenth of the time if they're away from their, their posse. And that's the technical term for a group of ants. Fuck, I didn't know but that. If you can control the ants, does it matter that he's 50 times the size? Because he could just sit there and you could have all these little ant friends crawling around him. So he doesn't No, that much smaller, he wouldn't pick up the pheromones. And he'd, oh. he'd be depressed as much as ants See, can be depressed. I don't just throw a little disc on him and make him small again. That would have been the, the humane thing to do. Mm-hmm. And because the weight of his, of his skeleton at that size would crush him. <laughs> this is another uh, interesting, uplifting, uplifting science facts with Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> all those with real science facts. <laughs> um, I just want to point out there's a grown man drinking Yakult. Yeah, no. Which is something that would never happen in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh, that was funny. And um, we remember that actor from Remember the Titans. Oh, we do. So he played Julius in Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember. Actually, was Julius the black you guy or the white guy? I can't remember. No, Julius was the back. Okay, cool. And I don't remember. Remember. Oh, no, I actually don't. I've seen no. it. I just don't no, remember when. It's a great film. Ryan Gosling was in it. He was a church boy. Really? Is he in that movie? You sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll trust you, but I don't believe you. I'll but I, but I'll trust you. This. All right. We'll just get this fucking podcast out of the way and we'll get onto the real <laughs> stuff of Googling and remember the titans. <laughs> we'll make that a podcast as well. We'll do that on the podcast. Oh, we'll just bloody Google stuff. Um, so we have here... Uh, Paul Rudd riding the back of Anthony. one of his aunts, who he renames Anthony. Yeah. He hasn't renamed it Anthony. No, yeah, he will. He will. Yeah. Not really anything from the comics. He doesn't ride an ant? I mean, 
there's probably an ant called Anthony at some point. He does run ants, like I tell you, it's around. Yeah. The wasp doesn't have that problem because she's got wings. So like, this character would name his ant. Yeah. I mean, probably more of a Scott Lane thing to do. Yeah. I found it interesting that, like, the different alter egos of the identities all have different comic book creators and they get kickbacks. I would feel if I was the creator of Ant-Man and they just got some other character that they've made up to be Ant-Man, I'd be kind of pissed about that just from a rights point of view. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if I invented Spider-Man and they were like, oh, but that guy that you created that Spider-Man isn't Spider-Man anymore. Now it's this other bloke. Yeah, so you know, I fucking invented yeah. the superhero. <laughs> yeah. I invented the Spider-Man. I'd be cut. Yeah. I wonder how, how the royalties go with that. Oh, Evangeline oh, Lily. She's bloody death stares, mate. Um, little, I, I think she looks a little bit like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Mm. For sure. And that was a request. Well, <laughs> Freudian. Oh, wait, that's the actor versus the character, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's weird. Um, Michael Douglas has said that he loved in future films that... Um, she didn't. Jan, uh, Janet. Janet. Yeah. Yeah. Would, uh, would be played by. He would love it if she could be played by Catherine Zeta Jones, which I think would have been awesome. I know we've she's too young. That, I think. Yeah, she's too young for him, eh? <laughs> no, but if she has been stuck, and look, a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but if she has been stuck she in the quantum, quantum realm, in the quantum realm, mm. yet she wouldn't have aged, which is like maybe is what happened with Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> Maybe they were born at the same time but she entered the she's she's already the been in the quantum realm. Beauty. The time doesn't exist in that. She's just a method actress. She's not Spanish. What is she? She's Welsh. That blew my mind when I learned that too. Because you just watched The Legend of Zara and you were like, <laughs> Oh well, of course. She's like surely like one part of her family is Welsh. Now she's the, Welsh. The Zeta part? <laughs> Yeah, like she looks, she even speaks that way. If you, like, there's a TV show called The Darling Buds of May. Um, I've seen the Time Life commercials for that, yeah, and yeah. they show her as like a 16 year old. And she's Welsh. It also had David Jason from Inspector Frost mm. playing her dad. Mm. Mm. Anyway. He looks like Michael Douglas. <laughs> Full circle. It's all, it's all one universe. It's one universe. <laughs> <laughs> this, can I say that this scene. Just coming back to the film, so um, we've had uh, Scott Lang's woken up in uh, in Hank Pym's house. He's um, wearing new pants, which is always disconcerting. Yeah, when you wake up from a night out, the yeah. ants have changed him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he sat down at the table, and he's learning a little bit about controlling ants. Um, the ants are trying to serve him sugar. Um, the yeah. ants don't serve him sugar because he doesn't want sugar. I think this is a perfect example of how the tone of this film works with the content of the film. Because, yep. again, that could be really cheesy, like saying ants serving you sugar. It's pretty shit. Um, but having his reaction as the same reaction as the audience, just being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Is this real? Like, the dialogue really reflects that, doesn't it? Because he's like, who are you? Like, sorry, one question. Who are you? Who is she? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Can I go back to jail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But also just him pointing at the table and being like, 
how are you making Deans do this? Like, he's got the same kind of reaction as we would, and I think that self-deprecating nature of the film, um, and this scene's the per- they're the perfect example of that, is what makes it work. You know, I think as well the the gravitas of someone like a Michael Douglas to pull off all of this like pseudoscience-y rubbish dialogue of like, well, I've got the and then stimulating the nerve center of the olfactory of the ants, and then it's, it's communicating with the I'm the queen, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that you raising this hand. <laughs> it is. It, it's it's a contrast between Scott Lang as the as the kind of bewildered deer in the headlights character, and mm. then. Um, Hank Pym is, is being played 100% straight. Yeah. Um, and, like, they're like a foil for each other because they've, like, they've both been Ant-Man, but they're both very different people mm-hmm. yeah. playing Ant-Man, which I think is cool. And, uh, what, it's the first time we've seen in a live-action comic book adaptation of somebody else taking the mantle of uh, a superhero sort of alias. Yeah, we haven't mm, seen it. Unless you, unless you count the Watchmen. More MCU if we just stick to MCU. Yeah, stick to MCU. Mm. Yeah, no, he's the first one. Mm. Good one. Thanks. I was up really late thinking about that, mm. writing it down in my little notebook, mm. which is not true. Isn't the Green Goblin <laughs> also past hands? If we go, if we oh yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, that kind of goes from As dad to son, doesn't it? In the official comics, though, I mean, in the official credits for that film, he's known as New Goblin, not Green Goblin. So I think that is a technicality. Ah. <laughs> New Goblin. That's, if you want to ask me anything about the movie Spider-Man 3, I'll fucking tell you, because I love the fuck out of that movie, because it's shit. So we'll have to Do record. you actually love it? I love how shit it is. Okay, good, is good. Is that one where turns into a dancing jazz anyway? Yes. <laughs> it's the most gift about Spider-Man film of all time. Definitely. <laughs> I like the little touch of having the ant colony in there, too. In, the, in his little ant lair. Mm. I wonder if that's Paul Rudd's ant colony, because he bought one, set up an ant farm at his house to watch and study ants, and he kept it once the film was finished uh, finished and wrapped. He okay, decided to keep it. Yeah. Paul Rudd did a fair bit for this movie, didn't he? Because he got fucking cut. We do see in the uh, in the coming training he montage. He's a Paul rig. Rudd or Paul Rig? Am I right? <laughs> V's just salivating. Yeah. <laughs> His name's not Chris. No, so, I don't know. If it was Chris Rudd. Oh, no. There's no Chris's in this whole cast. No. no. Shit. Yeah. Actually, I think the guy that plays security guard too <laughs> might be a Chris. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. <laughs> He's back. Wow. Uh, we've got the actor Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Mm, great name. Baby daddy to Rosebank. Cannavale. Cannavale. I want to pretend that I knew his name. Cannavale. Yeah, he Cannavale. I just can't believe that he's with Rose Byrne, this guy. Yeah. See, that's a good scene from her. From who? Uh, sorry, from the daughter. Cassie, the Cassie Lang? Like, oh, I just want him to be safe. And she's like, hope you don't find him. With <laughs> a little sass while she's eating her Cheerios. It cut just, uh, just before he, he punched her. <laughs> <laughs> Disney won't allow Disney won't allow child abuse on in its films. I like uh, the use of colour to differentiate between so the cross tech and the pim tech. So you've got one's red, one's yellow. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Yellow's the bad one too. Mm. Red's never good. No, red is never good. It's um. 
it's cool as well because they're both danger colours in nature as well. Yeah. Um, both red and yellow are sort of bright striking colours you might have of a poisonous insect or something like that. Um, ants are always usually like a reddish colour too. And wasps oh, yeah. are They really yellow. are. And wasps and bees are yellow. Yeah. Yellow jacket. They're yellow. That's right. Oh, so is the yellow jacket. Oh, I think not. Coinky dinker. Uh, you know what? I haven't heard from the top five in a little while. Oh, top please five, answer number four. Top five Hank Pym alter egos. Good. So obviously number five was Ant-Man. Number four, Giant Man. Mm. Giant Man. So Giant Man occurred after the Pym particles sort of went unstable. Um, and instead of shrinking, Hank Pym decided to sort of blow himself up. Yeah. Um, we see that in Civil War as well. As well as That's sort of one of the, the big uh, feature moments yeah. of that battle. Uh, so, yeah, Giant Man. Giant Man is different to Goliath, isn't he? They're both big, but they yeah. are different, aren't they? I was always confused about that. Yeah, look, main differences, Giant Man has a red suit. Yeah. Goliath has a black suit. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Can Goliath speak to ants, or does he just speak to other giants? Oh, good question. Look, he probably can, because he's yeah. technically... Oh, he wears a different helmet, so probably not. Like, you know what? Talking to ants when you're giant... Like, pretty useless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can still get them to, like, swarm someone and bite the fuck out of them. They're just not going to carry you anywhere. Well, they probably could. You're saying more of them. Just call all of the ants. Well, they can carry, what, like 50 million times their weight, so you can just pick you up on your feet and just like, It's probably not 50 million, otherwise we'll be being carried by single ants. So I'm taking a bit too literally, but yes, you're right, they can lift a lot. Ants. That's that's another ant fact. Leave the ant facts to me. (laughs) Don't encroach on his science facts. Yeah. Uh, Quick one. Um, Mm. Just to come back to the film, we've just seen a scene little bit of uh, discussion around the Avengers in particular. Um, mm. It's cool that they're referenced um, between uh, Hank and Scott. What's the... Um, is there beef between Hank Pym and the Starks? Because um, he sort of has a bit of an issue when, uh, you know, about the Starks trying to He's steal his stuff. chip on his shoulder, and they kind of establish that in the first scene, don't they? Of yeah. Like that sort of rivalry. Um, no. So that's like, that's really cool. Yeah, I that's not in the comics there. No, that, yeah, that's, cool. that's a, they've just brought that into this. Was were they friends in the comedy? Did they know each other? Yeah, I mean, like um, Iron Man and, and Hank Pym are two of the founding Avengers. Interesting. So, you know what? The they were going to include um, Ant Man in the Avengers. Ant Man was right, going to be yeah. introduced as part of Phase One of the MCU. Edgar Wright, who obviously was um, sort of behind Ant Man at the time, requested that. Um, Ant-Man being not introduced before the standalone film that he was putting together. Um, he actually, and this is one of the reasons why he left the project, he wanted Ant-Man to be um, a standalone film outside the MCU. And Disney obviously wouldn't let him, for good reason. Mm. But um, he had a couple of other issues with Disney, but that was a big one. So he wasn't a big fan of the Falcon scene, I'm guessing. <laughs> not a fan of the Falcon scene. When that comes up, I've got some facts about the Falcon scene. It's completely tonally different as well, so you could understand why that probably wasn't made by him. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Edgar Wright, um, it does still feel like an Edgar Wright film in some ways. I mean, Edgar Wright, um, the Cornetto trilogy, um, he was behind that, which is the Simon Pegg uh, trilogy um, of 
at World's End is the third one. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is the first one. And then the cop one. Hot oh, Fuzz. Hot yeah. Hot Fuzz, yeah. Um, so Edgar is the director of those three. Right. Yeah, I can see that it's, the humour is similar, I think. Like, it's that kind of... British... Well, it's that kind of bad things are happening, but you don't notice them because of the humour that's coming over the top of it. It's the re the rewrites definitely add to it as well. So yeah. the rewrites not only were done largely by Paul Rudd himself, um, but also Adam McKay, who was uh, one of the key writers on the other guys. Um, okay, Anchorman and Step Brothers, okay, and it's that so kind it's of. Feral. Sense that, of humor. that kind of obvious sense of humor. So, like, yeah, okay. That kind of almost like breaking out of the film a little bit, sort of, you know, like breaking the norm sense of humor. Maybe that's where a lot of the slapstick and stuff comes into it as well. And that mm. everyday sort of humor as well. That sort of humor you might have with like a, a, a mate rather than that you'd see in a film. Yeah, okay. Um, we see a scene quite soon where Scott Lang kind of interrupts. Um, Hank Pym and his daughter, oh, and he's like, yes. I've kind of broken it now, haven't I? And that's a really kind of uh, Will Ferrell, yeah. yeah. What's his name? Anything serious, they kind of break it down and break it, break up. Yeah, the, and make a joke. Even, joke even this part here, where he's going, oh, just a few tweaks in the regulator, and then Hank Pym's like, oh, if you fucking do that, you'll go into a quantum realm and everything that you love will just die, and then it's there's a yeah, like, Don't touch a regulator. Okay, I get it. Like, you know. It's taking the piss out of over-serious moments. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this film could be really formulaic. Um... Because, I mean, really, it's a standard origin story. There's a father-daughter relationship issue. Like, generational um, issues happen a lot in superhero films. Um, Corporate espionage. It could be really formulaic, but by taking the piss out of itself and out of the, the, um, I guess, the intellectual property as well of Ant-Man, which is a bit corny itself, stops it from becoming just another superhero film, but with a superhero that nothing gives a fuck about. Yeah. It becomes something much, much more. Which is what I really like about the film, and I think is why it works not even necessarily as a comic book film. You know, there's another level to it which makes a lot more sense. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the second film looks like mm. without that Edgar Wright influence as well, mm. um, if it can sort of hold up on its own. Here we've got our second montage of the uh, of the film, don't we? Yeah, they're doing a bit of. I think this is meant to be. It looked like MMA to me. I don't really know. She's meant to have studied martial arts, yeah. hasn't she? Yeah. Paul Rudd um, worked, obviously, weights and body training. Um, you saw his... Uh, you mm, see his rig. Sure did. Um, <laughs> he also worked with a gymnast to get that sort of oh. light on his feet and sort of cat burglar that we see earlier in the film yeah, as well. Does a bit of parkour. Mm-hmm. So he definitely went all out for this film, buying an ant farm and... Uh, <laughs> well, the gymnast. This is a very sort of Star Wars sequence here. It's very reminiscent of uh, Death Star trenches and whatnot. Many Bothans died to bring us this ant information. So it's a cool Star Wars reference that I just made. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's for the folks at home. That one. The Star Wars fans listening. Anthony. Has <laughs> he named him Anthony yet? Yeah, he just did. Oh, did he? Yeah, he said, I'm going to call you Anthony. Anthony's not a man. I'm going to do my... Oh, really? Oh, because, yes, because the ants that have wings are female women. Mm. Oh, I was going to say, no, you're right. Anthony isn't a man. He's an ant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, rig shot. Rig. Paul Rudd is an ant man. 
Mm. Rig drink. For those of you playing the uh, cultural fanatic drinking game, you get one guaranteed drink per podcast. (laughs) This is it. More so in Thor films. Is there? There's no Stanley cameo in this film. Oh, there is. Oh, yeah, there is. Okay, good. Wait for it to come up. Got a while to wait though. Um, Yeah, no. So um, female ants are the only ones that grow wings, and they grow wings to move to another location and start their own colony. And then they lose their wings once they've mated. So they only grow wings to get sexually active. Which means Andy is fucking... She's sexually frustrated this whole film. He's riding a horny ant. Anthony's a virgin? Yeah, and he hasn't banged at all. (laughs) Just light over the... Light over the clothes. Yeah, that's sad. Just light over the clothes touching. No actual penetration. With (laughs) Anthony. He's telling her where to go. I went to a Catholic school, guys. (laughs) She just wants to head out to where the dude's at. She wants to go to the clubs. She wants to go where the sugar's at. <laughs> Holy fuck. That's it. It's a whole other level there. I had a question about this scene. So we see um, Hope's taking control of the ants, and we see the scene get dark. Um, yeah. Like the ants cover the light fitting, and she just gets real for a second. Mm. Is this a is she is this a reference to badness? Nah. No. I mean, like yeah, it is. Uh-huh. I think it's showing us that there's a bit more under the surface of Hope, and I think it's sort of a cool way of them showing that. You know, obviously, Hank's got a few issues, and maybe some of those issues have been passed on. She's got some problems. Yeah. Looks of it. She's got well, some... Well, your mother dying and being sent to boarding school for 10 years while your dad lost his mind would, would make you pretty messed up. And the fact that you call him by his name. Yeah. yeah. And now you're pretending to date the crazy guy at work. He's trying to ruin your father. <laughs> probably got... Well, you're right. Probably got some issues. Yeah. Yeah. She's still a babe. I just prefer her with, like, when it has been messed up like that instead of stretched. Right? Yeah, it's a very severe bob that mm. they've given her here. Severe bob is also a comic book character. Um, mm. No, he's not. But he could be. Uh, <laughs> could be. Could be. <laughs> like SpongeBob's angry brother. Severe bob. <laughs> severe bob. <laughs> It's like when the sea sponge goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck. What the fuck are you even talking about? Oh, dear. Back in Ant-Man. Um, yeah, anyway. It's a very serious scene. They're talking about feelings and daughters and families and whatnot. Even then, there's something about Paul Rudd that still pokes fun at the seriousness of it. Mm. Um, just, I don't know, the kind of the way that he talks in the scene, the way that he acts still... He's always really laid back and, and casual. There was it was a purposeful choice um, by Edgar Wright. Actually, Edgar Wright really wanted Paul Rudd for the role. Um, is because that even as a criminal, you still like him. He's still likable, even though he's broken the law before. Yeah. Um, I mean, other people in line. I mean, Adrian Brody was in line oh, for the role. Fuck that guy. Nah, Ewan yeah. McGregor, which I think might have been a bit too old. No. Nah, yeah. Um, and. The other one, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, was the other one as well. Mm, I can never see Joseph Gordon-Levitt as anyone, but, like, anything but small and weedy, though. Yeah. I I can kind of see it. He has a similar goofiness about him, but I feel like he's... He's probably had too many serious roles. It's not the same level of goofiness, is it? Yeah, like, it's goofiness physically. He's, like, on a dorky. I think he needs to be a bit older. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, he's got to be a dad. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Jersey's not bad enough, I reckon. I reckon Paul a good choice. He's a, I think he's the first dad in the Marvel Universe, isn't he? Like, superhero-wise. Yeah, he is. Oh, no, no. Uh, Renner, but Mark, he doesn't really care. Oh, uh, yeah, but Renner, secret family, not the same thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Fuck that guy. Fuck Those are actually your stepkids. So, no, I don't know. They're actually small yeah, agents, like, aren't they? Doesn't someone say that in that scene? <laughs> as well as yeah. Tony agents? Tony, yeah. Fist regarding Hawkeye. Yes, he is the first pilot. We, yeah, right. We brought Hawkeye up. Uh, Jeff, did you have anything to say about Hawkeye? Fuck Hawkeye. Yeah, right. There you go. We've brought that to... Uh, got that out of the way. Got that in there. It's good. We do see a lot of um, of um, hope in this film as the character. I mean, it's a hopeful film as well, but we do see a lot of hope for the character. She's, um, she wasn't in the original script as much, um, hmm. but it got expanded as part of the, the rewrite, so I think she added a bit more of herself in there. There's that whole story of... Um, Janet going subatomic and her with her daddy issues and stuff wasn't really a big feature of, uh, of Edgar Wright's original script. Okay. I guess they, for the Writers Guild um, sort of laws and stuff, when they do a rewrite, I think they have to... There's a minimum amount that they have to change. Yeah. He's still um, listed as... A, he's still credited as a writer. I think he has to be. Yeah. Um, wouldn't matter if that thing was completely different. Because um, I think that's how... With Guardians of the Galaxy, not to divert too much, but with Guardians of the Galaxy, the original writer of that is still credited. Uh, Nicole Perlman. Yeah. I think her name is. Any related to Ron? Uh, yeah, it's his sister. No. No? Probably not. Uh-oh. Same face, though. So it's a bit weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She's yeah. just a female version. Ron Perlman was in a, a movie <laughs> called Beauty and the Beast. Yes, uh, TV show. TV show, so yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> shit. Fun he didn't have uh, any makeup on, actually. He just rocked up as himself. That's, that's yeah. Beast. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, met, I met Ron Perlman once. Not met him. I was, he was at a, I was at a convention. And, yeah, uh, I was there. I saw him there. Yeah. Yeah. And he is not much taller than me, which is really weird because he seems really tall. And for those people listening... Um, Corey's actually four foot two. <laughs> I'm, I'm about five, six. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. not very tall. What's that in, in metric? 176. Good. Um, we saw Wasp on screen before while we were talking about Corey's mm. height and Ron Perlman <laughs> without any makeup. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is the next film to be coming out. Yeah. Um, now that you, you mentioned that they cast... Sure. It's been reported that Sharon Stone's been cast as a wasp. Now, in the in the title, Ant-Man and the Wasp, do you think they're referring to Sharon Stone as the wasp, or do you think they're referring to Hope taking the mantle of the wasp? Which one is it? I hope it's both. So I hope it's a cool um, sort of generational tale where whatever the big bad that Ant-Man and the Wasp went up against in the 70s or whatever yeah. gets finished off by Scott and Hope in the present day. That's my hope. That'd be cool. That's, that's my hope. Oh, that's a new hope. Oh, if, if you're yeah. listening, Evangeline, Evangeline, really. Um, what was that noise? Really? It's like pretend laugh. You do use that one a fair bit, don't you? <laughs> Janet was going to be in this film a little bit more, actually, or oh, she's yeah. going to actually feature as Janet and not just as the wasp. 
Um, Rashida Jones and Emma Stone were considered to play um, to play Janet um, as Janet, wow. which would have been in the past. So obviously not now, but back when Michael Douglas was um, romancing the Stone, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Um, which I think could have worked. I'm glad that they didn't do it. Mm. I'm glad they purposefully didn't cast her. Mm. So that they could... are more open to cast in the next one, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Otherwise, they would have had to youngify Sharon Stone. You know who they would have used if she wasn't used already? It's been perfect for Renee Russo. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, Which one was she in? Thor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's Freya. No, I said it should be perfect if she wasn't in that. Oh, okay. I was yeah. thinking if it doesn't work. Thomas Crown Affair, guys. Heist movie. It's all connected. Yeah. One universe. Pierce Brosnan. Who would Pierce Brosnan Who would he play in this? Oh, Pierce Brosnan would be a fantastic Magneto. Yeah. He'd be a good Magneto. Yeah. Oh, he I was he was considered for the role of, uh, of Hank Pym. Oh. <laughs> Along with Sean Bean, who probably would have died if it was the case. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and Gary Oldman was the other one. Those three are other considerations. Well, I, I read that when they were making this film, they thought about actually killing Hank off. Yeah, but then Sean Bean wasn't cast. So that's <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's the shoehorner. The shoehorner scene. This was added by, um, after um, Paul Rudd, sorry, went away, uh, after Paul Rudd and uh, the other rewriter that rewrote with him, um, Adam McKay, went and saw... Um, the Winter Soldier. Ah. Um, they loved Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is wow. the and they're okay. like, let's get him in the film. So it was rewritten in by those two guys. The only two guys that actually did as well. <laughs> so, yeah. But he's also like the cheapest, easiest Avenger to cast. Yeah. Who would you? Who would you go next, Rhodey? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I put Rhodey behind. In terms of the size, actually, no, look, Hawkeye would be fucking first if we're going to go in order from shittest to best, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> no, but we're factoring in actor as well. Oh, okay. As in pain as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who'd be the cheapest? Because um, not Hemsworth. Nah, not Hemsy. Oh, it's a good question. It's a good one. I mean, you could Paul Bettany. Oh, yeah, Paul Bettany. You could get Elizabeth Olsen in there. Sorry, what did you, you say? Black Widow, Scarlett Hansen. Oh, no, she's... No, no, she mega bucks. Yeah. Mega, mega dollars. Yeah. Especially she's she's movie by movie. You told me that. Yeah. yeah. She's also a woman. We know women get underpaid in Hollywood. <laughs> you, had to, you had to bring up your feminist agenda into the podcast, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> this is an ap- apolitical podcast. But as you said, if that was the case, Elizabeth Olsen would be the lowest paid, wouldn't she? She's, yeah. she's the newest, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. And the youngest, and she's got probably got the least cred. Yeah. But then she's also the most powerful. So her like character is. Yeah, her character is. Yeah. If we're going back to If Elizabeth character. Olsen actually had the power of the Scarlet Witch, she'd probably be the highest paid. Yeah, she would because she'd just be like... Why'd they not bother painting over the door that said Stark Industries on the Avengers facility? Well, because Stark still owns it. Yeah, I don't know. I reckon if they made that new building, they'd paint over the door. Yeah, if they're going to bother putting a massive A on the roof so the world would know that this is the Avengers' secret facility, yeah. um, which Google Maps or Google uh, like Earth can quickly show you. Yeah, it just shows the limitations of Hank Pym, doesn't it? Of like, 
Mate, Google Maps would have brought this up as the Avengers yeah, bats. Yeah, I love that it's like <laughs> the photo that you have from like... The yeah. <laughs> like the stuff. 70s from a satellite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty shit. This is a good scene. Yeah, he just scene. puts the tech on the he's on like, the table and he's like, yeah, just bloody did Mind it, mate. Up. Just bloody did it. Just notice behind Hope, you see if they cut back to a, there's just a random speaker. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. In the kitchen. I don't know why. It does look like a like a complete furnished house, doesn't it? Yeah. They have made it look like people actually live there. This is much better than a Hawkeye's place. Hawkeye's Fuck that place. place. Like, let's not put... Green and blue vases. Yeah. yeah. But come on, mate. Sorry. Australian podcast. Least practical house for a, a house of an actual working family as yeah. well. Like, There's <laughs> just toys and shit everywhere. And it's just like, oh, I'll just put some more toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this. Darren Cross wearing his, uh, his, his murderous slash pedophile outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the leather jacket, the, the leather gloves. The leather gloves. Nobody post 1985 wears leather gloves. All leather jackets that look like that. Like, that is so, like, people who went hunting on their horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a bit earlier than the 80s, though, isn't it? Mm. I mean, yeah. obviously it wouldn't have been leather, but the style, like, the weird little belt he's put around it. Like, no one wears leather jackets like that. Yeah. Come on, man. It just shows how out of touch he is, because he's also out of touch with fashion. Well, it's actually, it's more in line with the Darren Cross character from the comics, who is actually quite old. So he's, oh, he? he's not linked to Hank Pym really at all. Um, the Darren Cross character is a Scott Lang antagonist, which is kind of cool that they uh, play off each other in this film. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think they have put them as the same age group, but then also linked Hank Pym into the, into the story as well, which kind of works. Mm. I like it. It's a great way to include all three characters um, and make them relevant at the same time. Yeah. This scene held no... Um, threat to me. Tension? No tension. Really? Nah. I didn't really feel the tension in this scene when I first watched it. I thought he would die. I thought this was like the Mufasa death scene. And then it, and then Scott would come away and be like, I'm going to be Ant-Man now and I'm going to be serious for reals. But it just didn't happen. Nah. I knew he would die. <laughs> that's because you're Dr. Plot. Yeah, but it's like too soon. You don't get that. Especially if they're sitting in the kitchen. But then he could have died and then he could have been like, Avenge me! <laughs> no, it's and better this way because now you see what a real psychopath he is because he 100% knows exactly what's going on. He doesn't say anything because he's like, on to you, motherfuckers. It was obvious that he was onto them, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah. But then he rings Hope straight after. And he's like, where are you? That's his first question. Okay. Yeah. To me, it was pretty... Uh, Pretty transparent. But then she's like, I'm at home. Like, I'm in the bath. Like, I don't get their relationship. But I also think he's he's crazy and he's still, he's going, uh, it's not a pun, holding out hope that, you know, <laughs> that there's something between them, that he's, he's hoping that she hasn't completely crossed over to his father's side. And so I think he calls her thinking... Maybe I'm wrong because I think there's a genuine connection that he feels with her, and he feels betrayed when he realizes that she's there, and so he calls, hoping that she's not. Yeah. God, she has a really dark name for that sentence. And then he, and then he just gets super cross, doesn't he? 
<laughs> but then he realizes and it kind of breaks his heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. cool. and he says genuinely And he says thank you for nothing. Thank you for pinning. I haven't seen you for such a long time. Sorry, I just laughed really loud. No, don't don't apologise. It's the loudest you've been on podcast. <laughs> that's what that's what the people listen for. <laughs> like we want some quality Veronica laughs. I like that he um the, hi- the heist crew are, are here, and we see like a crossing of the streams, so to speak. We've got the sort of the the white collar sort of Hank Pym and and Hope. And now we've got the sort of the heist crew, the like street, street level, crew. level crew. And I love that they're just openly judging them, like, you are fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and these guys are like, what? Yeah. I think Hank Pym calls them wombats as well, <laughs> yeah. which is just like such an old man put down. That's strange. I've never heard the, the term wombat used. Ooh, these three wombats. I'm offended for wombats. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually quite smart. And wombats fucking eat ants, don't they? They're probably not, actually, but they would. They're aggressive they as fuck, yeah. though. I've been bitten by a wombat before. Have you? Yeah. You know, they're, Got me really, they're a really good tactic. The reason they have, like, wombat burrows, and they're really hard, like, really strong bums, and so they, because they can't run really quickly, they run, and then their predator runs up behind them, and they slam on their brakes, and their predator hits them in their really hard ass bone and breaks their face. That's a legit thing that wombats have. Did you just watch lots of Blinky Bill? I don't think they had that in Blinky Bill. Do they have wombats in Blinky? <laughs> I don't know. I have to think now. That's the thing. They have really, really? hard bums so they can get into their burrow and then the predator will run up behind them and it will break their face on their bums. That shows something about the calibre of predator we have which here. Is, which they reckon is why wombats are what you'll hit on the road because they think predator's coming so they stop. Oh, so they stop. Oh, shit. They get their bums or anything. Sorry, sucker, but you're <laughs> not really a match for a car. <laughs> Just sad. I remember going camping at Wilson's prom with school. Look how happy you are. And Wombat's tactic would mostly be just to chew through the side of your tent and eat the food you'd stash in your, in your pillowcase. Fucking Wombat's. Yeah. So you don't even fucking like chocolate. Fuck. <laughs> I wonder if, like, chocolate has the same effect on Wombat's as dogs. We've got so many science-based questions coming out of this I know, podcast. I know, for those who are listening, look, Dr. Carl's listening. Oh. Please write on our Facebook page and answer yeah, the question. Uh... Is chocolate good for Wombat's? And if not, can they have the rest of my milk? Oh, and <laughs> if you have any science questions, tweet us as well, at culture underscore fanatic. Do that. Yeah, do it. I'll try my best to answer it. Great. In a relevant way to the film. <laughs> You'll just drop ants in there. Even if it doesn't relate. You'll just give you a fact about it. No, but they can ask questions about things other than ants. And you'll just give them a fact about it. I did physics at school. So this Scott Lane weird, coming back to the film, visiting his daughter. It's a weird scene, yeah. yeah. In full costume. She's pretending to have her eyes closed. You can see there. She's like... <laughs> she's, she's trying so hard, I actually thought she was going to wake up and be like, oh, Dad, you're back. And then she doesn't, and I was like, oh, no, she's just shit at pretending to be <laughs> She is. For the most part, though, great actress. Yeah. It'd be hard if you're a kid and you've got an adult scene by, you know, by your bed. You just want to open your eyes and be like, oh, like Sorry, what, what would you what would you be like? <laughs> yeah. You just did the hand gesture you didn't make any noise. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's classy. Um I really like the <laughs> I really like this Louise moment. He's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
Oh, I can't whistle something Andy Griffith's show. It's a bit of a, a reference to Andy Griffith. The uh, theme song is a whistling theme song, which is quite well known. Oh, right. Mm. Is, is that what he's whistling when he walks into the... No. Oh, no. And do you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah. he's whistling It's a Small World. Mm. Um, it's a Small World after all. Yes. Correct. Yeah. The very same. Which is a song from uh, a ride in the Disney theme park. Mm. So they wouldn't have had to pay any rights for that because Disney owns yeah. this. Good work. Nice They're little. just good at whipping in the little Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought you just... Okay. Whipping in the Disney. <laughs> whipping the Disney. That's a euphemism. Whipping in the Disney. Oh, Pinocchio. Yes. God, they could have done that, It's a good way to, yeah, save on save on the, the money that they have to pay mm. for using the soundtrack. Here it is. Oh, Whist- yeah, whistling It's a Small whistling World. It's a small world. And, you know, obviously a reference to Ant being small. Oh, good one. As well. It's a sort of, it's a, it's a double, a little double, uh, not really a double entendre, but like a little no, it's not double, a double joke. joke. If, yeah. if if one of the characters was known for having a small dick, it would be a double <laughs> entendre. <laughs> you know who is though? This guy, the head of security. This is a fun moment. I like that Michael Payne just sucker punches a whole bunch of people in this scene. He does. Like a fight at this is the Ocean's Eleven scene, isn't it? Yes. This is the, the, the break-in sort of with the tension we've got that highest music we've got um there's a lot of drums in this yeah i think (laughs) that's really just mission impossible it's not not this thing um i don't know what music's playing sorry i'm like don't even have the rights to pretend we don't know we'll have to pay twenty dollars now um we've got a uh a scene with a bunch of fire ants making a raft for Scott Lang as he goes through the water system. Mm. Fire ants can actually do that. Really? Mm. Well, in case they get, like, washed away out of their things, they will just band together. Yeah, they, well, they, yeah, they can cross water. That's they cool. can build bridges and stuff as well. So that, that's none of this sort of uh, working together is, uh, is too fictional. It, it oh. could happen. But they don't work together because they can't communicate with each other. Just to remind everyone, ants do not communicate. But what if you had a helmet that could communicate with them? Uh, it'd probably be Imagine fiction. Imagine you were in the bathroom and ants just so... <laughs> I was thinking about that. Imagine. I would probably spew. Like, would you? About... You don't like ants? Well, not in that context. If a whole swarm of them flew out of the tap, I think you'd be a little bit... crawling out of the... Oh, no. No, I'd get excited because I'd be like... Man's here somewhere. <laughs> that's the only reason. Or I... it's about to rain, so they're all crawling inside. And then. <laughs> what? That's why it's coming to the rain. They actually, they um, the design of the ants was really specific. They um, they purposely made their movements slower to reduce the sort of grisly oh. nature of the ants. Okay. Um. Oh, here we go, and boom, punch right in the face as well. And he does it, yeah, that's what's up. I like that. Very serious apparition. <laughs> they use the, the smaller ants, they, they use so puppies to, to sort of, like, they wanted to make them leave off a bit of a puppy, and they okay. sort of jump on him you earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, you're pretty cute. My favourite fact, though, mm. is that they based the, the larger bull of ants on uh, Ray Winston. The actor? Yep. That's what they. That's who they use to sort Who's of. Ray Winston. Um, who is Ray Winston? 
Is he that Scottish actor? Yeah. I'm just, oh, he's a, no, he's a Cockney actor. I'm just trying to think of the best film oh, to mention. Um, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Of course. Uh, oh, clearly. One of the greatest Indiana Jones the, film. The greatest Indiana Jones film and the greatest Ray Winston film. Because I can't think of anything else that he's really seen. Google Ray Winston, everyone. Yeah. I still can't tell who he is. Well, you should also Google him. Not now, but... Well, no, not right now. But another day. Another day. And we'll test you on the next podcast. On a list of Ray Winston films. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Oh, does my suit look all right? It's like, no, you can tell that he knows something. Yeah. Can you? I Darren. didn't I didn't pick up on it. No, I knew that he knew. Daz a crosser. Uh, he's, he's very partial to the metallic suits. Mm. I, I don't think it's that separation between old and new. Like, he's always very oh. new and shiny and blue and metallic and... Synthetic. Hank yeah, very synthetic, whereas Hank Pym's very old-fashioned, tartans, knitted jackets, Bit of, you know, um, that. You've really, yeah, you've really picked up on something there, yeah. yeah. You know, he's got the three-piece, he's got the, the waistcoat as well. And yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. The yellow exactly. jacket suit yeah. is actually um, also, rather than being a physical suit, it's mo- the whole thing's motion capture, oh, okay. as opposed to the, the Ant-Man suit actually being a physical suit. Mm. Uh, so you sort of get this visual difference between the very mm. futuristic uh, yellow jacket versus the old tech in, in Ant-Man. That's a, yeah, that's interesting. It's more about the person inside than it is the, the technology that's there. Because really, the yellow jacket suit is like 10 times the suit that, yeah, man. So it yeah. is in terms of its capabilities. And yeah, it's got lasers. Now. I mean, yeah. It does have lasers. <laughs> Can blow up trains and stuff. It's good. Little toy trains. Little Thomas's. Little Thomas toy trains. Oh, no, he doesn't blow up Thomas. Thomas ends up on the front line. Oh, yeah, true. Like, he sets fire to it. People want Spoilers, people. mate. Spoilers. <laughs> um, hey, we, oh, we're getting... Can you give us fact... Yeah, I was going to go to top, top, uh, well, top yeah, five top. Hank Pym alter egos. Number three... Yeah. Goliath. Oh, now I asked about the difference before. So Goliath, hook yeah. us up. Goliath is um, basically just Giant Man in uh, in black costume. In black. Does so, he do anything different? No. So after, um, so Hank has a lot of periods where he leaves the Avengers mm. and then comes back, and he almost like as a running thing just comes back as a different alter ego altogether. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's really not much different about Goliath. Is there different personalities between the alter egos? Not really. So one of the main things as well, one of the reasons, well, one of the practical reasons for him taking on different personas is that the previous persona is filled by somebody else. Uh-huh. Um, so, look, Ant-Man at this point in time, no, sorry, not yet. Um, by the, the next one, Ant-Man's been taken up by Scott Lang. Um, but Goliath is, is a character um, or an alter ego that was taken up by another character called Bill Foster. Yeah. Um, who is uh, a black gentleman. And instead of just calling him Goliath, they actually called him Black Goliath. Oh, because that's um, a thing <laughs> in Marvel. Just some people were <laughs> in case they weren't sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bill Foster dies in the comic book Civil War arc. So. Oh, right. Yeah. And he doesn't even appear in the film Civil War. No, he's not a big player. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was missing him. Oh, Black no, Goliath. I got Black, black Panther, so I mean Black Goliath as well. Too much black. Black Goliath. Uh, black Panther's actually a character as well. You know, Black Goliath is just a... Yeah, I don't know. That said, they made Scott Lang really work in this film. So mm-hmm. it can be done. You can have other characters that hold the mantle be more prominent or 
have them in equal pair. Yeah. I wonder if we will see, sort of speculating forward, I wonder if we will see any more, you know... Ant-Man personas? No, no, more more handing with the, of the baton. Oh, yeah. I think we definitely will. I mean, you know, reports coming out about the, the next Marvel film uh, suggesting that there's not going to be a Steve Rogers Captain America. That he won't appear at all, or it'll be part of a handover. He just won't be Captain America because technically he gave up the shield at the end of. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah. At the end of Civil War, War, yeah. Will he still appear in the film? Yeah. As Chris Rogers, though. Steve. Steve Rogers, Rogers, actually. Or Chris Evans. (laughs) Chris Rogers is his brother. (laughs) Steve Evans is his stepdad. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He's a bit abusive, though. Oh, no. Horrible. Uh, There's no reason for him to be abusive either. It's. He just, just running with it. He just hates himself. Um, mm. For being emerging of fiction and non-fiction. There's a few um, Steve Rogers alter egos that he could take. So Steve Rogers becomes a character called the Nomad once he becomes disenfranchised with America. Uh, right. He could also become just uh, Steve Rogers, uh, the captain, which is another alter ego that he takes on. Oh, Steve Rogers. <laughs> he doesn't care what he's called, as long as, as, long as uh, there's some glory shots. Yeah. Just like yanking me out of the Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for the podcast that we do on Super oh, War. So I'm going to have to work extra hard that day, because she's just going to go quiet. I can tell <laughs> You're going to be away. You're going to be on holiday. Oh, no. That sucks. I'm looking forward to Super War. So was lol. <laughs> sorry, so's, not sorry. So's lol. And you know what? If it wasn't for Dave Dismulchin in this scene, pushing the space bar, which is never used anymore to activate anything. No. Ever. no. Uh, music at the space bar. You'd push enter, surely. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what he did. He just took the screensaver off because that's what he used the space bar for these days uh, to activate that computer. Mm. Oh, it's a trap. There's a bug caught in a trap. I'm sure that's something. That's some sort of imagery or something. Mm. We're seeing the, the reveal that Darren Cross knew that he was being double-crossed and he's done a triple-cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. So, And for some reason, he's just got all this info on Scott Lang. He's just got his whole... I mean, it wouldn't be too hard to find out all the, the police information and stuff. Don't know how he snuck into Scott Lang's house and got this photo of him and his daughter candidly hanging out. But, but like, um, Facebook. Oh, yeah. Could be a Facebook photo. How did he know it was Scott Lang, though? Because he says, he says, um, oh, what did he say? Oh, he says something about him disappearing from a jail yeah, cell. Yeah, jail cell. I don't know why he was looking out for that stuff, though. Mm. But he's crazy enough that he was surveilling everywhere. Or... He's crazy enough that he's following Hank Pym all over the place and realises that he goes and sees his own chest and then he gets out. Mm. Right. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. You know, one thing I really appreciated is um, the screen has in the background at one stage the the little capsule that Ant-Man's stuck in and he acts like a bug, like he's hitting the, he's hitting the window and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Really subtle. I dug that. The um, we missed before. I was going to bring up another ant fact, um, which I think is my main purpose in this podcast. Is, is fact just about. Ant facts. Can we talk ant. about ant facts in all of the podcasts, not just this one? I think so. Yeah, great. Um, Civil War ants. 
Um, should we go Infinity War ants? Anyway, um, so the ants that short circuit, uh, those ants are actually known for uh, chewing through wires. They don't actually conduct electricity, they just chew through the wires in, um, in circuit boxes hmm. in the San Francisco area. Wow. Those, so those are the crazies? Uh, yes, the ones that, that they claim have something to do with uh, electro, or the, yeah, the ones that do the short circuit. Yeah, right. So they can just survive the electricity if they can chew through them, or we don't even know they survive it, they're just stupid. They just tend, it looks like they die. <laughs> yeah, they just tend to hang out in circuit boxes and they get, um, they just chew through wires. Inconvenient. Yeah, well that, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's why they're called crazy ants. <laughs> they're crazy. Because they're crazy. So he just, that whole time he could have just made himself big and that would have gotten him out. Is that what he does or does he throw? No, he throws the discs at the window. Oh, okay. And by yeah. expanding the glass. It breaks. Because if he had expanded in there, he'd just be like, Bleh. he'd probably crush Squish himself. himself. Okay. Yeah. No, it's meant yeah. to be pretty strong. So, Strong glass. Yeah, right. Good. And I think this is where Hank Pym was meant to die. But he doesn't. And he's, like, Cross is pointing a gun to the back of his metal helmet. Like, would the bullet penetrate? Um, I mean, it's not vibranium. No. Is the helmet, like, a full solid helmet, or is it made of, like, some cloth bits? Okay. Who knows? Yeah. Now, we see a little moment here where... Um, where Cooper, is it his name? Old mate. Old mate. I think his name is. Old mate, is. Yeah. Old mate takes yeah. the, the pin particle. Yeah. Or the, no, that's yeah, the cross the cross, cross version of the cross particle. Cross particle. <laughs> now, is there any other uses for that particle that could come up in future films? As an Easter egg or just as a... Well, he takes it and then... And we never see him again. Never see him again. So, so something tells me that's going to set something up because yeah. Oliver's got it. He's, he's literally the... Um, the BD Wong of the Marvel Universe, a la Jurassic World. He gets away with the uh, little dinos at the end. But he doesn't have the suit, he just has the human shrinking. Well, but it could have other powers as well, that pin particle. Yeah. That's what I was sort of asking. Is there other powers that it has in the comic books at all? Is there any... Look, it can make things smaller and can make things bigger. Oh, this sequence, sorry, um, where he's running up against the security guards... It was actually part of the pre-film footage that got them the film greenlit. So that sequence of Ant-Man running along the gun, punching that security guard, is all from... like. So this is footage that we like saw. test footage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that all existed pretty much frame for frame from, uh, from that footage. So mm-hmm. it's made it into the film, which is interesting. The test footage used a different Ant-Man suit. That's interesting. If you oh, yeah. Look, it does use a, a slightly different Ant-Man suit. Um... Which I think's yeah, kind of cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, no, pin particles, cross particles. Um, nah, make things small, make things big. So I'm sure that they could, that could be a thread that they could pick up in the next film if they wanted to. Yeah. If they want to have a bit of cont- continuity between Ant-Man films. It doesn't really show any purpose to be doing that unless they were going to somehow reference it or use it again. I mean, yeah. sure Hydra will come up again. Mm. Um. We're about to see the outside of the uh, the Pimtech building again. Um, the same building, it's actually in Atlanta, um, yeah. was also used for the news building in Anchorman. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. Link, Adam McKay. Adam yeah. McKay. He was like, I know a great building. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
There's a really cool building in Atlanta, guys. <laughs> it could be anything you when want. When you get me as a writer, you also get me as a location guy. That's it. This is great. It's probably one of my favourite things. Speaking of, oh, actually, we'll let, we'll let this same play out first. Of all, we see a tank burst through the wall. It was a key ring, and it's still got the key ring attached to it, which I thought was pretty Bobby's cool. Bobby's just like, lunatic. It's like, what the fuck is going on? I hope the live-action Monopoly film is just as good as that sequence. Yes. Because <laughs> everyone's waiting on that. Yeah. Is that actually going to be a film? At one point, Ridley Scott was attached to be the director. That's not even a joke. What the yeah. fuck could they do with a Monopoly film with Ridley Scott in charge? I think after the whole Battleship film fiasco, they decided to maybe not go with it. It's so fucking shit. Yeah. I'm waiting for Connect 4. <laughs> Sequel to Fantastic Four. So <laughs> it uh, should be good. This, this is a lot of girl ants. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this swarm of flying ants. ants. Any worker ants are usually sterile female ants. Wow. Mm. No. Antony, that's a, that's a woman. So, really Antonia. Yeah. When I was watching this, I was like, fuck, is, is Antony dead? Oh, no, I actually got sad about it. Mm. It's kind of tragic. But I don't dwell on it for too long. The way that they depict the wing man hitting the ground... That's exactly what the wasp's wings look like. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of cool. What? There's a tank. <laughs> it's not even part of the film. You know, it's just something you say sometimes. It's one of your catchphrases, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a tank. There's a few of your catchphrases. No, it's just because we saw the tank. I was just saying what I was saying. Well, imagine if that was the commentary track. You were just like, briefcase, gun. <laughs> Lilo jacket. Yellow jacket. Bongo. She's got really friendly ticks. <laughs> Bomb goes off. And so what? It's in clothes because the building goes. Yeah, it, it sort of suggests that it uses the pin particle as to part of its. Or that it is it the could... reactor and it goes into the. What's the world we're talking about? Oh, the yeah, quantum realm. The quantum realm. Yeah. See, I saw that as. Because we saw the, them planting the C4 bombs. Mm. I saw that as um, C4 and maybe some of those shrinking things thrown in for good measure. Oh, yeah. yeah. That makes sense, yeah. I don't know. Because otherwise, it doesn't make sense why it would implode. Maybe they got the uh, the same bombs that they used in uh, Thor, the, uh, the Dark World. Yes. The ether. The implosion bombs. Oh, the yeah. Black yeah. hole grenades. Black hole grenades. Mm. Yeah. Cross Technologies invented those. That's so, right. Yeah. Shit them it's off the, to the dark the, world. The dark elves, uh, they're the, the main uh, yeah, purchases. It's a kind of a cool reference, um, and I think it may have been intentional that the the yellow jacket mask um, does really reference the old the, the original Ultron face. Yeah. Um, considering the Hank Pym was to invent it. Um, and a nice little useless fact here, but the uh, the phone in the briefcase that they're now fighting inside is an iPhone 6S, uh, oh. which wasn't released until four months after the film was. That's really interesting. Mm. I actually like this scene. I think it's really cool. How do you know it's an S and not just a 6? Because I read it. Oh, okay. No, because it's the gold one. <laughs> and the gold it's one was only part of the 6S release. Mm. Mine's gold. Pardon? Mine's a 6 and it's gold. Yeah, so it's a 
No, it's a particular. It's a particular. Was, gold mate, was that the rose gold? Book? The rose gold. Book. Of course, Darren Cross has a rose gold iPhone six that hasn't been released before <laughs> fucking months. And like, also lifesavers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> whose briefcase is that? And whose Siri understands that he wants. Yeah, to he wants to Like Darren Cross has the cure in his music. Like. Yeah. I, just, I think they just needed to put a bunch of random stuff in there. That should have been the broadcast. I actually really want to test out um, my phone and saying the line that he did, like, I'm going to disintegrate you and see if it plays Procure. Um, <laughs> I think that would be good to, to test that out. I think they show Ant-Man holding a, ten, a table tennis paddle there. If we go back. And for some reason, Cross has been taken out by a bug zapper. I kind of like the, the irony there. Mm. Yeah. Oh, what did he just zap him like? They just tase him. Yeah, you know the guy. There's tension there. True. He's banging his wife. Thanks, Bob. When, uh, the, the sort of the scream when... Uh, it's pretty intense. When he comes back to life here, when Cross comes back, is um, is pretty menacing. And this is probably where we see Cross most like his comic book um, counterpart. Insane. Yeah, so the the cross from the comics um, had a few. He had a heart condition and he had some other problems, and to fix those, he uh, basically experimented on himself a little bit. And, and um, one of the things that really put him over the edge was uh, a lot of electricity mm. and stuff, which gave him some abilities and things. That's kind we of we don't really see them used in the, in the. It's probably a bit too. I don't know. Guy Pierce being the baddie in Iron Man Three. Yeah. <laughs> this really, movie, so. really <laughs> yeah. Um, here we go. He's yellow jacket, and the yellow jacket suit looks pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, and that look that looks realistic considering it is motion capture. Wow! Yeah, yeah. When you look at it, it that close up, you're like, that looks like a, a, a practical suit. It brings me to number two on my uh, top five Hank Pym alter egos, which is yellow jacket. Okay, cool. So yellow jacket was one of the uh, personas that Hank Pym took on after Scott Lang had already become Ant Man. So he wasn't able to go back to, to being Ant-Man when he became active again. So he made up a new persona altogether. Called the Yellow Jacket. Yeah. So it's sort of referencing the, the bug origins of of uh, of him hmm. as a superhero. Is the Yellow Jacket an actual insect? Like a Yellow Jacket? Yeah, because a slang he's... Term? Okay. I've heard the term before. Um, well, that was a really it's cool one of my favourite scenes sequence. is this kind of the, the tension. Yeah. But what they kind of do to break this this tension of like this almost like a train battle that's going on is they also show it from Cassie's point of view um, from the weird. wardrobe, which is just like it's still on her miniature train set, which is ridiculous. The actual, we can't hear it, but the laser effect on the yellow jacket soap is exactly the same sound effect or the sound bite used for the Atats. In Star Wars. I thought it was. It sounds that it, you can hear it. You can it? hear it. It's very distinct sound. Well, Disney does not yeah, lights Star must Wars. Be. Now, so they better give Ben Burt some money for that. The <laughs> sound engineer from Star Wars. He better get a kickback for that. Kick there. They might a slab. <laughs> um, we really do see the dust mites and the dust flying around in this scene in the bedroom. Um, it's a very dirty kids' room. It is. Fucking hell. But you know what? I'm all about dusting kids' rooms. Helps build up uh, a resistance. A good, strong immune system. No allergies. Oh, that's true. So, the rights for Thomas, but there was a lot of negotiation around this. They would only allow that the owners of, of the uh, of the RIP um, of, of Thomas, the tank engine, would only allow Thomas to be used 
if um, he didn't kill anyone, first of all. Um, that seems he, fair. Yeah, yeah, that's good. He wasn't allowed to take sides. Um, <laughs> he couldn't even be good. Uh, yeah, so he wasn't allowed to take a side. Um, so, because otherwise he'd be a protagonist or an antagonist. He couldn't be that. He could just only be there as an, as an object. Uh, he couldn't be evil uh, or do anything evil. And no one was allowed to be tied to a track that Thomas oh, was on. Oh, good. Because you can't see him as the, the negative man. force. As the negative force. He's just a toy the whole time. He's quite it. literally a vehicle. A vehicle, like. yeah. <laughs> what is awesome is um, that the people who, who own, own Thomas loved the final film. They thought it was a hilarious sequence. Oh. So it's kind of cool that everyone was happy. Hmm. Yeah. It is one of the funniest things when the giant Thomas smashes through the front of the house. I remember laughing out loud at that scene in the cinema. I just thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> Which we are about to see soon. Oh, no. There's our giant ant. Giant ant. I love that she's just like, oh. And there's our giant Thomas with the moving eyes and everything. That just smashes a police car. It's surprising they got away with that. That Thomas was able to... Not do anything evil, though, is it? No. And no, the cop did move. Just to station the object, but... Couldn't help, Couldn't help And they were able to derail Thomas as well. That's allowed. Which is, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't allowed to destroy Thomas, Ooh. but Annie and Clarabelle. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Annie and Clarabelle, mate. Just blow them up. Good reference. I used to have toy Thomases when I was So a did I. Yeah, Annie right. and Clarabelle. Yeah. Little, uh, Little carriages. Carriages, yeah. yeah. Who was your favourite Thomas character? Apart from Thomas. Um, Gordon, because he was a massive cunt. <laughs> Gordon was such a fucking <laughs> asshole. Gordon was such a he cunt. Grumpy. Yeah, everyone was yeah. just like, oh, let's all go play and be trained. And he was like, fuck oh, you guys. Fuck everything. You know who was the shittest Thomas character? Henry. The helicopter? Nah. No. Henry was no, the, the was green, the, gr- the bigger green engine. Oh, There's the smaller green one, which Percy was Percy. Was one, yeah. The big green one was Henry and it's a piece of shit. James was alright, but he was an obvious ranger. He was the red one. He's not fat. He's not fat anymore. Yeah, he's the thin controller now. No, but he's thin. He's a thin guy. And they just call him the controller. I think. Mm. Good work. They call him positive body image controller. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And cookies are only a sometimes food. Yeah. That's wow. That's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast. What we've been talking about. um, Cookies being more interesting things. Yeah. We're saying. Seeing the end of Yellow Jacket, and typical with all the Phase Two films, we see him lose his arm first, yeah, um, it's which so is that, weird. that Empire Strikes Back reference that, through all these films. Um, but we also see Scott going subatomic. Pretty traumatic way to see somebody die. It's messed up, isn't it? The way yeah, it just kind of folds up. Too like it's not even just like a kid no could noise. be. Yeah, Cassie... Cassie's fucked, fucked up now. now. <laughs> like, she has an ad for a pet dog. Like, <laughs> for a pet dog. She's watched a guy get crushed to death. Thomas flew out her window. Flew out her window. Um, her dad is her, an ex-con. Her dad's basically on LSD right now. And she's <laughs> turned to drugs. <laughs> yeah. um, the ad isn't actually real. She When she's sitting at the dinner table, she's just saying shit because she's fucked up on LSD. <laughs> yeah, right. It's deep. I'll definitely get a step that beta before as well. <laughs> oh, wow. That's in the making of. That's... Yeah. 
I like it. It's it's very sort of like kaleidoscopic. And... Yeah, I reckon this was a really well done scene. Because it'd be hard. Like, how do you do this scene when it's something completely unimaginable? It's very sort of like 60s mm. in keeping with the um, that sort of Jack Kirby art as well, in a way. There's a... Sort of to look at the, the overall MCU storyline, there is a... Uh, they do talk about the fact that being subatomic, the, the time doesn't exist. Mm. Um, I wonder, this could be like pure speculation going a bit deep here, but if there'll be any reference to this subatomic level in the future, looking at the time stone, time gem from the Infinity Stones, because we haven't come across that yet. Oh, yeah. And whether there'll be any sort of reinteraction or reference again to this subatomic kind of realm. Um, it would be a really clever way to add our men into that mix uh, about the stones because I think, like, they've said that Thor Ragnarok is not going to have an Infinity Stone in it. Yeah. So, Which is interesting because you'd think if there was going to be one, it would be when they're in space or in another realm where yeah, it could yeah. be found. It has introduced two already, though, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah, so maybe three would be a bit much. And it's not going to be in Guardians either. So maybe it'll Strange, be Black Panther Strange, and Doctor Strange, I reckon, might be the two. So we've got the Time Gem and the Soul Gem left. Yeah. So... Because there's only five in here. Yeah. yeah. Six. 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 Six Infinity Stones. Yeah, we've had four. How do you wear them on one gauntlet if there's six of them? Oh, because there's one just in the middle. Is there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not one per finger. I just thought that's what I was like. I thought it was too, sure. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. Get so the teeth. <laughs> the SWAT team shows up at the end. Yeah, it's all we're with it. It's the time when fucking Giant Thomas and Giant Ant were running around. And Yellow Jacket, there's lasers at this fucking house. You know what? If the SWAT team was headed up by Colin Farrell, like it should be in all SWAT teams. <laughs> That was probably... Because, you know, Nick Fury's a member of Swamp. Favorite Colin Farrell movie ever. Yeah? Is it In Bruges? In Bruges. That's actually... No, I like In Bruges. It's a good film. No, I'm thinking about SWAT. Oh, okay. Like the actual movie SWAT. Yeah. With Emma Cool J and... Uh, what's her name? Michelle Rodriguez and... Great. And Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. That's what's all one. That's all one universe. You don't you don't like him as Bullseye in Daredevil? Don't, don't like him in the remake of Total Recall? Was it Tucker Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was done too. Yeah. Correct. That was, that was done. <laughs> yeah. You passed well, the test. So we've just found out that, um, well, when I say just found out, we at least now we know that Hank Pym isn't dead. It's the worst family photo, by the way. Yeah, go yeah. on. Steve, <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve Bashimi, Bashimi? Yeah. Was going to play. He was actually the first choice. What, for Hank Pym? Mm-hmm. What? How, uh, how much of a different film would that have been? It was scheduling conflicts. Marvel yeah, really wanted him. What? We're talking about Steve Buscemi and you're like, Hanky Panky. What's going on? That was excellent. Hanky Panky. Well, Michael Douglas agreed to do the film because most of his films his kids can't see because they're all R-rated. Yeah, and his kids are oh, Especially his right. recent ones. And they're really sick of romancing the stone. <laughs> yeah. They're like, because his kids are only like in their early teens. Like, Dad, why are you so fucking old? Mm. <laughs> why is Mum so much younger than you? Are why you actually our dad? Spanish? Oh. Are you actually our granddad? 
We're going to die before we turn 18. Dude, Jeff Goldblum will be getting that shit soon. He's like 60, 70, something. Yeah. Yeah, good. He's pretty old. He is pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Bobby Cannavale just being the oldest looking motherfucker in the room, despite his clearly dyed hair. Mm. Judy Greer. Yeah, that's the one. He's also a, in Jurassic World. He's a mother as well. Yeah, mother in that as well. Yeah, has a key line in both trailers. Oh, really? Yeah, speaking of trailers, um, do you remember the, the ant-sized trailer for this film? Ugh, I they only did it for a day and you couldn't <laughs> yeah. see anything. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, it was, it was an interesting way because I remember seeing that for the first time in cinema and being, what the fuck is this? And then all of a sudden, Ant Man was like, oh, very funny, but now show me some film. And then the, the real trailer came out a day later, at least. Marketing's pretty great, isn't it? As, yeah. a, as a tool? Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> well done. What kind of phone do you reckon uh, old Matt Scott Lang's rocking? Not a Samsung? Mm-hmm. I don't think we saw any Audis in this film. No, I don't think we did. Oh, here we go, another exclaim Louis. Yeah, Louis yeah. is uh, oh, <laughs> it's a sequence here in an art gallery. This is, yeah... This is, this one's better than the first one, I think. Yeah. There's a couple of cool references in this one. Obviously, we're about to see our Stan Lee cameo, where we don't actually hear him talk, because it's, um, it's uh, Michael Pena talking yeah. over the top or dubbing it. There he is. <laughs> There's also a Spider-Man reference. Yeah, I know. Yes. That. The second time I watched it. Where uh, our uh, sort of Asian know-it-all girl here, who obviously has links to... She's a reporter, yeah. She's a reporter. Yeah. Too. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no, it'll report. Um, just my turn for it. Do you reckon they reference anyone else? Or is it just, I picked up on Spider-Man. Yeah, well, it says swinging and um, and climbing walls. I'm yeah. not sure what the guy who jumps is, though. Yeah. Um, Unless it's meant to be black and The guy who jumps, the guy who swings, and the guy who climbs up walls. Because swings and climbs up walls, you think. Actually, all three of those things is Spider-Man. The Spider-Man, so, aren't they? Yeah. Maybe it's a sneaky little, they're all supposed to reference him. Yeah. I could mean a few of them. This is a really cool, just like, last scene here where Louis says, he said yes, and then it stays on him for, like, a beat too long. <laughs> yeah, this is awful. Which I think is hilarious because you're sitting there thinking he's going to say something else and then it just cuts away. I think that's really just sort of finishes off with a good tone of the film before yeah. our uh, credit sequence. Peyton Reed directed that film and mm. his name eluded me for the majority of watching the film. Uh, but Peyton Reed also directed Bring It On, which is uh, a pretty sort of yeah. stalwart film of mine, of, of faves. It's a good film. The Yes Man as well, and The Breakup. Really? Yeah, it was also Peyton The Yes Reed. Man's a great film. Yeah. It was going to be directed by, um, by David Wayne, who did um, Role Models. Oh, okay. Another the Paul, Paul Rudd, Rudd vehicle. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Similar kind of humour, I think, in, all, in some elements. Is that Adam Sandler as well? No, it's uh, the guy plays Stifler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean William Scott. That's the one, yeah. Mm. Old hyphenated name. I'm that guy that you bring to stuff. Music by Christoph Beck. I wonder if he's related to, uh, to, to Beck. <laughs> as in, or the artist. The artist Beck. Just and then you're going to go with Christoph Waltz and then you announce that their first names are the same or their last names. <laughs> well, I don't think Bex is real name either. So. No. Yeah. We're about to see our first um, of two 
post-credit scenes. Oh, good. Um, the good. first one with with, uh, with Hope in it, um, mm. who at one stage was going to be played by uh, Jessica Chastain. Okay. She knocked it back, though. Of course she would. She's knocked back a couple of roles in the uh, in the Marvel Universe. Did she say it wasn't meaty enough? Meaty enough? Yeah. I Because I've heard her say that about a few roles, and then she did... She went and did... Jurassic World? No, no, no she different she, That was um, Bryce Dallas oh, Howard. Howard. She went and did oh, fucking Ant-Man. No, not Ant-Man and the Huntsman. Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah. No, the Huntsman Winter's War. Yeah, which is like a really big character role, in that. that. Yeah. Fucking Fuck off, Jessica yeah. Chastain, you <laughs> fucking wanker. <laughs> Just yeah, that's cool. a bit dumb, isn't it? You cancel a Marvel to go to a dying Snow White. Yeah, she could have had her own fucking spin-off film. And you'd be with Chris Hemsworth anyway. <laughs> Evangeline Lily hasn't been in anything since this film and the next thing that she's slated to be in is the sequel to this film well she went and had a kid she did yeah um so she delivered her first child straight after after the release the release yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was like late 2014 this may 15 15 yeah you're right yeah, yeah. 2015 because yeah. it was last year uh this film was released late 2015 it was the second 2015 release of the um, so we see the wasp suit there. Yeah. Different wasp suit, obviously, the one that went subatomic. Yeah, it looked different to the comics as well. Um, the wasp, a lot of yellow, uh, a lot of black. Yeah, that one was very, like, white and blue. and There's a bit of red on there as well. Yeah. I guess yeah. you can't have yellow after you've just killed the yellow jacket. Yeah, true. Mix it up a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the wasp suit we see in the film when it, eventually comes out, I think it's slated for 2017, um, it'll probably look completely different. I don't yeah, think I don't think like that. that tease will influence anything. Well, no, because they, yeah, they do say we have to finish it, so that'll be yeah. their excuse. Um, just another just, casting mention, just to finish off, because I know we just saw another uh, scene there with Michael Douglas, and when he was going to be appearing in an earlier film, um, when he was actually going to appear in, in The Avengers, um, Hank Pym... Um, it was going to be played by Nathan Fillion, who I know is a, you're a fan of. Lovey, love him. Yeah. That's would, fucking awesome. That would have been cool casting, That'd wouldn't it? It was like a young Hank as opposed to an old Hank. Well, it would have been set now, so it would have changed the timeline or yeah. changed where the setting of this film and who was playing in. He would have been a major player in the fucking Avengers, unless they made him a joke. They might have done that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons, and look, thank God that Edgar Wright did say don't include him in any uh, film before the standalone Ant-Man film because he's got plans for the character. Mm. Imagine if Hank Pym had turned up as like a middle-aged guy in the Avengers that would have ruined any plot lines in this film. Yeah, yeah. So thank God it didn't happen as much as Nathan Fillion would have been awesome. He Could have coming had coming back as, what was it, Donald Lane? Um, yeah, uh, Wonder Man. Potentially, it's been rumoured that he'll be playing Wonder Man in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's cool. We all love Nathan Fillion, hey? I do. Nathan Fillion is um, a good friend of James Gunn's. He's oh, really? he's been in a lot of James Gunn's films. Yeah, how many did you do with Firefly? Who James Gunn? Yeah. No, Joss Whedon. Oh, Joss Whedon. Yeah. So uh, Nathan Fillion, friends in high places, a lot of uh, you know, aut- auteurs. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. You're just making a weird face. I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? You look like you look like you're doing a poo or something <laughs> <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> no, it's actually it's actually half burn. Ah, 
On the subject of stomach acid, ants uh, have quite strong stomach acid. What a segue. Mm. Uh, that was on the spot, that segue, too. Um, the, also, just to hype back to you, uh, there's, there's a lot of factual incorrectness with the ants in this film, and I've already talked about the communication. Um, but just one last factual error um, is the Schmidt Index, or the, the Pain Schmidt, whatever they call it, Index. Oh, yeah. Uh, they get the order of it wrong, so the lower the number, the more painful it is, not the higher the number. Oh, like golf. Mm. And it's actually the stinger. It's not a bite, it's an ant sting. It's only some ants sting. It stings on the arse and the bites in the mouth. But it's the stinger that's poisonous bit. So all those, people, like, all those people at home thinking of perhaps owning their own bullet ant, um, don't, don't put your hand or any other body part. Or a piece of your genitalia near the back. Don't be finger near their <laughs> Don't finger the ass of a bullet <laughs> of a Ray Winston bullet ant. Just don't do it. It's yeah. just a rule for life. Don't mm. be finger near the butt. Why would they model the movement on Ray Winston? It's not a movement. This is face. Ah, oh, okay. So Ray Winston does look a bit like an ant, doesn't he? Oh, that was a joke, it was now? it? No, no, no. Like they actually base they base the the sort of so you know how Ray Winston's kind of broad and he's like you know. He's got a big head. He's, he's fucking cockney, you know, like he's, you know, like... Oh, he's a barrel. He's a, yeah, and so the bullet ants were kind of like the beefy, like the, the doorman. Such a weird reference point. Mm. Such a funny movie. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, Ray, Ray Winston, I feel like you should know who Ray Winston is. Most people I've seen him, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. I'll make you watch Indiana Jones 4, you, you'll like him. You won't like the film, you just, yeah. <laughs> Well, you haven't watched it yet. No, I haven't. I just I agree with what you say about it. Greatest yeah, film ever. That's it's, Ray um, Bring up a photo. It's pretty horrible. Oh, yeah, For those at home, just Google Ray Winston so you can see what V is saying. It's kind of I'll, like a rougher version of John Favreau. I'll add a picture of Ray Winston to the uh, the podcast the article. Yeah. Yeah. He's also in The Departed. Ah, oh, is he? Mm. I don't remember him in The Departed. Who's he playing? One of the henchmen. Oh, okay. He's the one that does all the cleaning up work when when people get killed. He's the one that does all the chopping up. Oh, he's the fixer. He's the fixer. Of course he is, because it's fucking Ray Winston. That's uh, some mob uh, lingo that I know. Fixer. Yeah. The fixer. Yeah, fixer. Good. Probably you monsters listening. Yeah, I'm a real G. (laughs) So those of you wondering what's going on, we're obviously talking about the credits Mm. uh, of the film. It's a good thank you to Thomas and and his friends in in the credits. Was it? Uh, yeah, it sort of mentions Thomas and appears courtesy of Thomas. The tank engine. Um, oh, so there you go. So they, they did film yeah, in Georgia. Thomas and friends. The Thomas. Yeah, Georgia is obviously where the mm. building for uh, Pimtech. Yep. Atlanta's in Georgia. I knew that. That's it. The state. Yep. Not the country. <laughs> not the person. All the person. <laughs> <laughs> well, Atlanta is definitely not in Georgia. He might be. <laughs> There's some dude named him. <laughs> He's getting a life in Georgia. That's really bad. That's really horrible. Anyway, we've finally managed to talk our way through to, to post-credits scene number two. Yeah. Is this really setting up Civil War? Is this directed by the Russo brothers? This is lifted directly from the film. Yeah, I thought so. It's the first time that a post-credits scene is actually a scene from uh, a subsequent film. So... It's obviously the scene where um, Bucky's been discovered um, and taken back by the, by the Cap and, and Falcon. He's actually, um, he's been working in a steel mill and he's just gotten his hand trapped in a vice grip 
which yeah. is a common OHS problem in steel mills. It is. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I sort of think to myself that if they were able to get Captain America, Chris, Chris uh, Evans. Evans, that's yeah. it. Keep getting my Chris's mixed up. Uh, <laughs> but um, if you're able to get Chris Evans to play a part in a post-credits scene, you can probably get him to play a small part in in a, in a scene during the film at, at the Avengers' secret, uh, heavily labelled facility. True. Yeah. But maybe he has an appearance fee for that and not a performance fee for that. Yeah, maybe. Um, I bet he comes back to some weird legal shit. Yeah, probably. And look, I think they needed someone who had technology because Ant-Man was able to go in there and start pulling stuff apart. Yeah, it's the main plot. like crawl inside Captain America soon, give him a wedgie, like... And, yeah. and that second post-credit scene was clearly added on far, far, far later in the proceedings as well. Well, if it's lifted straight from Civil War, then it's just taking a bit of footage from Civil War and jamming in this film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because right. I think um, Chris Evans was shooting Snow Train or whatever the fuck that movie's called. Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer. Yeah. That's all he had going on, yeah. <laughs> I think, in between. Mm. So, um, good times. Mm, good. So, look, that was the movie Ant-Man. Ant-Man separated by a hyphen... Much like Spider Man, mm. not actually a compound word like Batman. So, good for those of you that are, are down with the grammar, that's like it. I am, uh, it's good to know. Um, Veronica, thoughts on, on Ant Man? I like it. I think it's the kind of break in the, what we've been seeing with all the dark movies like Winter Soldier and Age of Ultron. It's just kind of like that humor that, like Guardians of the Galaxy, that kind of brings you back and reminds you that Marvel's a lot lighter than DC. But it also does kind of set up Civil War because you can tell that there's tension with the Avengers already, even just little things that they say, which is why no one trusts them anymore. So they're, you know, turning to their own devices. Jeff? Mm. Yeah, yeah well, that's a good point you've, uh, you've got there. I mean, even in one of the newspapers, there was an article saying who's responsible for Sokovia. So, mm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just a cool, like, it's... It's like there is still a main story going on. I think it's 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 a good little diversion um, before we go back to the main group, because um, it is a universe. It's not just a story about that same crew of people. Otherwise, it would just be a series of films. So, mm. um, and it is refreshing to see someone with a bit of humour, and that humour is required in Civil War just to be able to break that up. So, it was great. Coming back to this film, obviously, really well done. I thought it was funny. Um, it's one of one of the ones that I find the most entertaining and the most rewatchable because it's that entertaining. You can watch it a lot, similar to as uh, V said, similar to Guardians. The humour kind of stands up when you rewatch it, which I think is cool. I think you're right. I think um, this film, in the scheme of Marvel films, surprised me the most. I think I expected this film to be a train wreck going into it after hearing about all the problems behind the scenes and hearing about you know rewrites. And this film got pushed back a fair bit as well. Um, Hearing about all of that, you know, the script wasn't even finished when they started filming, all things like that, made me think that this is really going to bomb this movie. Um, and then seeing, like, a bunch of, like, press junk and stuff with Michael Douglas where he just seemed like an old man. <laughs> um, and he seemed like the world had sort of left him a little bit. And yeah. I just thought, well, I wonder how out of touch this is going to be. But I was really surprised at how sort of fresh it felt. Um, as well, and like there's a, there's a lot of great individual performances in this movie as well, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
All right, awesome. So look, that's our rendition of Ant-Man. Um, look, if you want to get in touch with us uh, and connect with us outside of you know just listening to us passively, if you want that interaction, Jeff, uh, what can people do? Um, they should jump on our Facebook page. Mm. Um, let us know science facts that you want to know more about, uh, or science questions more like, because we'll fill the facts. Let us know what you all, any, any ant facts in particular, but also let us know what you think of, uh, of, our, of our podcasts, um, any suggestions for the future, any thoughts of your own. Um, we share our thoughts. We want to hear yours. So Facebook, Culture Fanatic. Boom. And Veronica, is there anything else that they can do? If they, look, they don't have a Facebook. It's, you know, they're, they're not allowed one for some reason. Uh, what, what other sort of social media streams do we have active? Uh, we do have Instagram, culturefanatic.net. Spell it, D-O-T-N-E-T. <laughs> we do like to post photos of cool things. Um, or Twitter, which is... At culture underscore fanatic. That's just to make things yeah. inconsistent and difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, add us on uh, Culture Fanatic Snapchat. No, don't do that. No, no, just no. get a bunch of dicks. <laughs> so we'll be like, oh, it's going to go to Veronica, but it's not. It'll just go to me. But we don't have a Culture Fanatic Snapchat anyway, so no. that's, that's not a problem. So just ignore that last part. <laughs> yeah. But leave us a good review about, about our witty banter and how... Give us a five-star rating. Yeah. On iTunes, yeah. On iTunes, mm. yeah. And look, for those that don't have it, I've recently crossed over. And um, you what? can find us on Stitcher. On um, Stitcher, yeah, yeah. If you're an Android user. So Stitcher, um, I'm looking into Libsyn, which is another distribution network. So more on that once we have it. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of this podcast is going to have to a meeting over it. And Googling John Slattery and, uh, and yeah. various other actors <laughs> yeah. uh, as well. Awesome. All right. Well, look, that's all for us for now. Uh, Jeff, look, you're going to go away on holiday. So oh, yeah. I'll uh, see you all. It. Speak to. I won't see or hear anyone. I'll speak to them uh, in uh, about a month. Yeah, I'm right. Forward to that. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, look, next week's episode is just going to be me and Veronica talking some news. Yeah. <laughs> was that? Was that? I tell you what. Based off of that, it's going to be a fucking great episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, good. All right. Well, uh, that's a bit from us. So uh, yeah, see you next time. Uh, Veronica, want to take us out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, bloody number one on the top five Hank Pym alter egos. <laughs> bloody forgot about that. What are you doing? It's obviously the best part of the show. Like, we anticipated it so much, I forgot to put it in. That's it. Uh, number one, believe it or not, Hank Pym actually did some time as the Wasp. Mm. And that tied into the end credit sequence, and I forgot to bloody talk about yeah, it. good. So, why did he, uh, why did he do that? Oh, look, you just felt like a change. Like <laughs> yeah. No, it was just part of the, the secret uh, secret invasion event that Marvel did a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, the 616 universe was ending and, uh, you know, Hank Pym got his wasp on. <laughs> that's <laughs> a euphemism. Literally. What a legend. What a legend. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for the top five. That's it. So show officially over. Yeah. For real this time. So if you want to really take us out this time with more enthusiasm just to really put a full stop on the episode, <laughs> We ask your cooperation in helping keep our theatres clean. Please deposit all containers and litter in trash receptacles located in the theatre. Thank you.